six pack lap of that. We got Joe Jordan, the 66 kilo contender. My man, how you doing? I'm doing really good, man. Thanks for having me. You, uh, you popped on the scene here for a lot of people. So previously you were 74. Right. And, uh, and that's obviously the land of Taylor Atwood. And, um, and this was pre COVID and you took some time off as a 74 unassuming, just, just, you know, you were a 74 doing your damn thing on the way up and, um, took some time off and reemerged as a 66 and your reemergence as a 66 is like a how the fuck you like me now moment because your total is like you went from run of the mill 74 to world class 66 coming through USVI and on your way to worlds. And if you like me, like if everyone is like me, it was like, holy shit, who is Joe Jordan and what is going on here? Because your total 700 kilo anyone paying attention, like that's the mark to win the world championships. What like that is where Pena and all the world elite of 66 usually rests is around the 700 kilo mark. And I seen, obviously I'm familiar with chance and I seen chance posting you. I was like, chance, what the fuck? Who is this dude? What is going on here? And he's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> he's like, Oh yeah, he's coming. So we got to catch up a little bit on what the hell is going on here, man. So we're first off like so how did the decision it drops from 74 to 66 in how this process happened you got you took time you got smaller you got stronger and here we are yeah absolutely uh so like you said started off as a 74 did a couple local meets uh was able to work my way up to 2019 raw nats uh it didn't really go all that well but i still qualified for the arnold so i did the arnold uh, in 2020. And like you said, that was right about the time COVID was happening. And then so pretty soon after that, uh, the gym I was going to shut down. So I took like two to three months off there. Then I moved back to Texas, um, continued to work out. And then there was just this point uh, where I just got so burnt out with powerlifting. Um, I wasn't having fun with it. I dreaded going to the gym. And so just out of the middle of nowhere, I quit and, and I just stopped going to the gym. Uh, at that time, I was probably weighing morning weight, 165 to 168. And uh, so when I don't work out, I lose all appetite and I lose a lot of weight. All my muscle goes away. And so I went from that weight all the way down to 140 pounds. Uh, and that was, yeah, that was about a six month uh, process. And then, uh, you know, lucky enough, a guy that uh, got hired on where I work was a powerlifter. He lived in the USAPL. And, uh, and I had never worked with anybody else that powerlifted or knew where I was coming from when I talked about it. And so he and I, for like a month, just every single day, we're talking about powerlifting. We're talking about Sean versus Russ. We're talking about all these different things. And then it just, it, it ignited that fire again. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get back into powerlifting, started going to the gym, <clears throat> started eating better. And then, uh, as my weight started to go up, I had the thought to myself, what if I, hold 150 low 150s and i try to be a 66 because like you said 74 is the land of taylor atwood and good luck if you're going to beat him right um right. and so i wanted to be in a position where i could be a little bit more competitive and so i had the thought all right i'm going to try this if i can get that strength back that i had as a 74 i'll be pretty competitive if i can't do that then i'll just go back up to 74 and, and just have fun with the sport um but lucky enough uh, i started working out 
was pretty hardcore into it. And, and not only did the strength come back, but I got stronger. And, and a lot of that had to do with just experience. I looked back at my training as a 74, uh, just technique, things I was doing that I thought could have done, I could have done better. And uh, so like I switched up my deadlift stance from like a narrower stance to a wider stance and that paid dividends. The, uh, the frequency in which I was doing on bench was phenomenal. My bench went up and, uh, and so like, when you look at it, it just, it doesn't make sense. You would think to yourself, uh, you know, everybody says, don't lose weight. Uh, you're going to get weaker. Um, but I think a lot of my success had to do with, I was nowhere close to the, um, potential that I had as a 74. And I think there was a lot left there as a 74. So when I went to 66, you know, um, there was, there was potential there too. And, uh, you know, here we are. And were you working with, so you work with chances coaching you, right? Were you, when did that, was that happening as a 74 or when did that happen? Yeah. So I first hired chance, uh, late 2018, I think October, November, we did our first meet together, February of, uh, 2019, uh, in Texas local meet. We did one more local meet that summer. And then we did Nats and Arnold together. And then when I quit and I came back, there was about a three to four month process where, uh, I was doing my own programming um, because I wasn't sure if the plan that I had was going to, was going to even work. And so as it started to take shape and it, okay, it's going to work, uh, we're looking good. Then I immediately like contacted Chance. I'm like, Hey man, uh, I'm getting back into it. Uh, you know, obviously I, I want you to coach me if you're, if you're willing. And uh, he goes, okay, what's your, what's your meet? And uh, I was like, uh, well, I'm doing USVI Nats in uh, February. And he was like, what oh, the fuck? Shit. Yeah, he was like, what the <laughs> fuck? How did you, how did you pull that off? And I was like, well, you know, I was lucky enough to get uh, accepted to the, the Fed. And, uh, and also I'm, I'm going to be a 66. And I can remember that first conversation with him. It almost sounded like he wasn't super thrilled with that. Um, just, you know, for the reasons why everybody would, would be a little hesitant. I was like, look, dude, I'm, I'm as strong as I was as a 74 and I'm, I'm weighing 152. And uh, so he got on board and, uh, you know, it was, it was all up from there. Yeah, I could see where, because it's, it's a big move. Like the difference, the jump in some of these weight classes is huge. And the, some people like, why is, like, first off, there's Taylor Atwood. In terms of why is the gap in total so big between, between 66 and 74? Taylor Atwood is an anomaly where his 74 kilo total is an 83 kilo total as well, though, right? Like he, he could literally go toe-to-toe with Russell or he a weight class up. So you take off the outlier and the 74s, Still, like, it's like, well, it seems like there's a big gap in total. The thing is the body weight difference, the percentage body weight difference between a 66 and a 74, like eight kilo, that is huge for that percentage. But like in terms of percentage body weight, that's massive. Like that's like some people like, you know, there's sometimes a big discrepancy in weight classes, you know, the totals we see. And I'm like, sometimes so the discrepancy in the jump is huge huge man like that is a massive like we're talking almost 20 pounds of body weight on a man that would weigh 145 pounds that's a different individual so it's it's um it's a big move and i can see where chance might be like if you're like i'm going from 74 to you don't see it often it's such a huge drop in weight it's like hey how much muscle did you lose holy smokes he'd be a little worried right Mm -hmm. But then um, he wouldn't necessarily, like, obviously he dives in and sees, 
technical proficiencies can can jump up uh, you know your nervous system gets stronger it's not just muscle but neurally you're stronger and like the all you know there's other factors for sure and just technique and the whole nine right uh frequency of training you haven't like you didn't peak you didn't reach your potential as a 74 um but i could see where it like there would be that and it's tough, man. That is one of the toughest jumps in powerlifting is to go from 6'6 six, six to 74. You might be the first to go from 74 to 6'6 six, six if you end up winning this to be like, do it successfully. Well, actually, no, Penna came from 74 yeah. six, six as well. But to, the reverse, very, I don't know if we've ever seen anyone do the reverse, jump from an elite 66 to become an elite 74. It's the fucking, it's tough, man. Absolutely. And I, and I think that... Um... I don't think the 66s are anywhere close to where they're going to be. So like when you look at just population density, in particular weight classes, there just happens to be a lot of 83 because that's an average size for a, a grown adult man. Uh, and then 74, there's a lot of 74s. And so I think as you see 66s um, get a little bit further down the road, I think that the average total should, that, that gap should close a little bit. I mean, look at Daniel Clements. That dude's a freaking monster. Um, and I like, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 750, 760 total. And, uh, you know, like you said, if you take Taylor out the anomaly, you know, you got Austin's hit 800, but you know, that, that mid 700 range is kind of like where, you know, your elite level 74s are sitting. And, and I think 66ers are capable of that. And I think it's just a matter of time before you see, um, like I said, that gap closed, you know, there was a point in time where, you know, if you had a 700 kilo total as a 74 years ago, you were elite, you were one of the top dogs, uh, and people, you know, I think would have been hesitant to think that 800 could happen. And then that got smashed. And then, you know, mm. now Taylor's 838 plus. And so I think eventually you're going to see the same thing happen with the 66s and, and the totals in the world record. You know, like I've said before on Instagram, 700 will not win worlds. And I don't think that's even going to be close. Yeah, Daniel Clements is a monster. His deadlift, what he's done in the deadlift as a as a 66 was freaking, you know, and now a 67.5 is freaking he's got a monster dead pulling into the 700s. And even um Eddie Berglund, who's gone toe-to-toe with Penna at Worlds and then again at uh the European Championship as a 66. So the bottom kilos are are the roughest. And I know this like there's the caveat. The bottom kilos are the hardest kilos to take off the body and can really impact your total. I gotcha. But he did a meet and just came in as a 70 kilo and he hit like a 727.5. Like he's like, that's, you know, we're only talking four kilo more. And if, if he did like a, I mean, he's not going to, he's not American, but if he did like a 67.5 or like some kind of mid range, so he has to cut, but not quite cut right down to 66. Like there's, that's the thing is the bottom end is really, it's tough, right? Because like we said, the gap's pretty big. So, but um, you could see the potential of some of these people, you know? And I agree that um, the more, the bigger that the sport gets and the more accolades the 66s get, the more hype they get, the more people that are around that body size are going to find powerlifting. Cause right now, um, you know, powerlifting is still a relatively niche sport, but when the majority of people walking this planet that lift weights fall within buck 90 to buck 70, something that's the average man, even if it's a niche sport, we're going to have a good cluster of talent around those weight classes, like you said. And then as a somewhat niche sport, 
we don't get the A-level athletes. Some of these guys are going to other sports. But if, if some of these guys roughly around that body size starts finding powerlifting, the freaks, the A-level athlete freaks start finding us first. That's when, you know, we start, the bigger we get, man. And it starts becoming, um, when you get some stars break through in that weight class, that's when somebody that size from a different sport reads about it. It's like, oh shit, I got some options here. I got to think about this, you know, and there's storylines and the heated battles and 66s are starting to get love now. You know, Penn is a popular guy and, uh, and he's got a lot of eyeballs coming into this. In previous years, the 66s didn't get nearly as much attention. Do you feel like that as well? No, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. And, and, and real quick, uh, talking about 66 kilo totals, you know, if you were to take Eddie's bench, Jonathan Garcia squat, Daniel's deadlift, that's, that's an 800 kilo total. And so you eventually as powerlifting continues to grow, all it takes is for somebody who is that perfect storm, who can encompass all of those things. And, and you can see a 66 knock on the door of 800. Um, a lot of variables would have to be in line, but, but, I think it's possible um, as far as like the 66s and, you know, uh, uh, up to, up until a couple of years ago, it was, uh, you know, it was Charles versus glad kick, you know, that was kind of the, the big matchup, but yeah. beyond that, you didn't really know much about the rest of the 66s. And, uh, and so as a result, I think the 66s have gotten overlooked. Uh, obviously Penna has done a lot to kind of bring the, the weight class up with his, um, popularity and whatnot. And, and I think that this year is going to be huge with worlds. Just, you know, we have five guys in that range of 700, any of us could win it. And so I think that showdown being what it is, I think people are going to tune in and then you're going to see the 66 start to get a little bit more love. But in terms of like converting people into being quote unquote believers, you just got to freaking have a, us a close matchup where anybody can win in different people from different nations. So when you tune in, you can have yourself your favorites. You're right. Charles versus Gladkick. I remember Gladkick at one point was Mr. Perfect. He won two world titles, both times, never missing a single lift. And that's difficult at the world championships when everybody's pushing each other. And, um, he, yeah, like he, he was Mr. Perfect walking in here. And I remember I was the commentator for that. And I was, gave him like the nickname, Mr. Perfect. Now I've passed it on to Keiko because he's done that. But, um, and I remember saying when he was going against Charles, like I remember drilling that storyline, like he's never missed a lift. Mm -hmm. And then in the squats going against Charles and Charles was like, like super confident. He hit the platform talking like to the weight, like he was all like had the swagger. The, and I was like, oh shit. Like Charles brought a different flavor to it. Cause you got to understand the difference between an Eastern European, like Glykic, all business, stone faced, stare you down in the warm up room. You know, that's how they carry us. So Penna talked about it on the podcast. They're like, man, they were staring me mugging the shit out of me mm. at Worlds. Like they stared. That's how they, that's how they carry themselves though. Whereas Charles was like swagger and confidence and outwardly, you know, vocal with it, the way he walked, moved the whole nine. Total contrast, which is like, a, that's sports, right? Two different sides mm. of the world. One from the East, one from the West. And um, Charles hit a world record squat and Glykick missed for the first time in like three years at the world champ, the first time ever. And I remember saying, well, that's the first. Mr. Perfect has a chink in his armor. And then we saw, you know, the, cor the coronation of, 
um, Charles as the king, and then he won the next year. And then, you know, so yeah, we had that, but it wasn't quite as deep, you know, now this time, holy shit, man, you know, we got like, like you said, one through five from, you know, Japan to France to the U.S., uh, you know, we got, we got them all over. Like there's shooters all over the place in the 66s. This is how you gain fans when people are going to tune in and be like, I don't know who the fuck's going to win. And it's not a two person battle. If you and Penna push each other and you push him to start missing lifts, he pushes you to start missing lifts. Cause you're applying pressure. Guess what Jonathan Garcia is going to do. You know what I mean? Like he could, cause he's hit 697 and a half. Like he's a 700 kilo as well. And he doesn't miss. Like it's, it's one of those, like whoever's in silver when it comes to deadlifts, it, it, it's interesting when the conversation happens. Like if it's a two person race, the person in silver is like, we're going to load and pull for the win. But if it's a five person way, race, the conversation in that 60 seconds of attempt selection is, do you want to pull for, for gold or do you want to defend your silver? Do you want to defend your bronze? Here's how many kilo you are off of gold here's how many kilo the guy coming up behind you is off of what you got. And like, you have to have these conversations and all of a sudden it's like, you might not be back. Here. This is the world championships. You may never be back. This is it. You got to be comfortable with it. Do you want to pull or because if you miss pulling for the gold, you might fall back into fifth. Like that's different when it's top five. That is what makes when it's five deep. It's so good to watch because the stakes it's different. If it's like, you're in second, you pull for gold, you miss, you're still second. You hit it, you're, you know, and it's still good to watch. Fuck it, yeah, let's see what happens. But when Joe Jordan walks up and, and I'm the commentator and it's like, Joe's making a tough decision right now. He's going to risk a medal at the IPF World Championships. And if he misses this, if he hits, he's the world champion. If he misses, he's off the podium. He might not even be in the top five. Like this is that's dog, that's sports, baby. And you guys show up and give that performance. 66 is gonna, and it's on the Olympic channel, it's on Eurosport with millions of people. They just struck a deal with this um South American channel as well. Like, this is you guys show up and show out. We're gonna get a lot, it's gonna get tougher and tougher every year, but <laughs> you know, you're in the yeah. middle of some battles, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that just shows how important game day handling is gonna be. Um, mm. how well researched are you on the other lifters, uh, not only in just what they've hit, but what are their tendencies? You know, uh, what does, you know, what does Jonathan typically do in a meet? You know, when are, what kind of jumps does he make? What can we expect based on the openers of where he's going to be at the end? And uh, I think all of these things are going to uh, be super important. Um, you know, lucky enough, I have chance that's going to be there uh, handling me. And uh, we have a great plan. Uh, I feel uh, like we're as ready as we could possibly be right now. And, uh, and I know that, I mean, look at, look at Penn and Eddie, like these guys are seasoned veterans. This is not their first rodeo. They've been here before. They're going to be ready. Um, Jonathan Garcia has got one of the best coaches in the game, obviously uh, they're going to be ready. And so it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle and uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Do you get, so like when you're this far out, do you get excited, nervous, both or are you like man I, i'm just so so deep in my grind right now i don't you know you, you're not feeling it yet i think it's like a, a culmination of all of those things like there is nervousness because like i'm going to win the world championship that's what i'm there for and so like i think it's natural human instinct to to look at all all possible outcomes and, and when you start thinking about fuck what if i don't win you get a little bit of nervous but i think that you need a little bit of that, a little bit of that is healthy. 
because I think that's something for, at least for me, it's, it's something that keeps me in check. You know, if, if I come into a session one day and, and maybe I'm not feeling a hundred percent, I'm dragging ass, whatever. Um, I start to think to myself, okay, what if I don't go all out today and do what I'm supposed to do? Well, fuck, I'm going to lose. You know, I, I literally all the time say to myself, you know, when I'm in, when, when I'm in my home gym by myself, I say to myself, what the fuck do you want to be? I want to be the world champion. And so that's why I work as hard as I do. Um, I leave nothing on the table at all. And so there's, there's definitely healthiness. There is the grind. There is, you know, I'm confident. Um, I, I know what's going to happen. And so it, it, it's all of those things combined. It's because it's not, this is like, when I was younger, I would hear like, there's good stress and bad stress. And I'd be like, the word stress just sounds bad to me, <laughs> right? Like I wouldn't understand. And then as you get on in life and you, you get yourself in certain situations, you start realizing stress isn't bad. Not always. Um, there is good stress. Competition brings that out. doesn't matter if it's business, doesn't matter what it is. You will work harder, get up earlier, go to sleep later, be tighter on everything, whether it's like, macros or well if it's business whatever the shit it is right like balancing the books doing like extra being like look at we have we opened up all possibilities are we doing enough in there's nothing like competition to make you do that you could say like no i'm a, I'm a self-motivator and, and that's true to an extent but let me throw somebody on your fucking heels let me throw somebody right there who guess what they want it just like you do and your background story they got a background story that'll break your heart and your friends and family, they got fucking friends and family that'll, and you're like, Oh, this isn't, I'm not the only one, you know, like you're special. You are special. Like all you guys are special. There, there's no question. You're all five of you, six of you are special, but there's five or six of you that are special. And that's, and that is special. That is like, in sports, there's a fucking moment. Like there are times when you could come around and nothing to do with you, but you might not have a rival to push. And then there's another time, like in the seventies in boxing, when Muhammad Ali is like, I got George Foreman. I got Joe Frazier. I got Ken Norton. This is the most special time period ever. And I happen to be here. And that's what made Ali, Ali. Like not only was the civil rights movement happening, so he was just the perfect storm in terms of all to make him the most relevant athlete of all time. Right. But if he came around in a time period where they weren't the greatest heavyweight division we've ever seen, um, it wouldn't need, it wouldn't have been nearly as impactful. It just wouldn't. If you just whoop an ass and it was just like dudes that we could forget about his time period was so special. George Foreman retired in the seventies came back 20 years later in the 90s and won the title at 45. That's how good the second best guy was. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Ali was like, yeah, I beat him in his prime. You guys 20 years later couldn't beat him as an old man. That's how special Ali's era was. So when you're in the midst of, of this and it's like, holy fuck, I got killers everywhere. And there's a way of looking at it being like, um, damn it, you can't catch an easy one. Wouldn't it be nice to show up and just be relatively unopposed? But when you look back in 20 years, you'll be fucking grateful. There's Penna, there's Eddie, there's Jonathan, there's, you know, in, in, in due time when Gladkick and Ilya come back, like fuck when Russia's back, dog. Gladkick, two-time world champion, Ilya, who's a monster and going to be a world champion at some point in his life. Like, it's just, there's too many. There's too many of you guys. It's in, in, in Japan, they got the, these guys rising up. 
there's like 66 is you'll look back and be like, fuck, I got stories, man. You know, it'll make you be tighter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, why do we play sports? It's to compete, you know? And so, yeah, absolutely. Having these guys here makes this so much more valuable to me as a lifter, because I know that if I were to beat them, it would mean so much more, you know, it's, I guess it would be nice if you knew you were going to win beyond the shadow of a doubt, but like at the end of that, I think it's going to be, you know, not nearly as, as valuable or meaningful, you know, um, knowing that, you know, Eddie Berglund can bench press what, you know, only a handful of 83s can bench press is huge. (laughs) Knowing that Penna is a world champion is huge. Um, Jonathan Garcia, I mean, I listened to his entire story. This dude could have been an Olympic champion probably if he wanted to, you know, so like we have some very top level guys here and uh, man, that just makes this so huge and, and I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, and I think that this just goes to show you what IPF worlds can, can do and, and, and the kind of competition there is. And I think that that's why hands down, it's, it's the best powerlifting federation in the world. Well, when you like open up to the entire world, like, like powerlifting legit as 120 plus um, countries involved. So when you open up like that, like we are, you, you just take talent from all corners of the world. Like everybody you just named is from all corners of the world. And you, when you take talent like that and throw it in there, especially for like a class, like 66, like you said, people who lift weights, like the averages, right? Percentage stats wise, you might fall in 83s or you might fall in. So if you have a more narrower depth of, of talent that you're pulling from, you might still be okay around the 83s, or like particularly because that's probably the most uh, average. But if you're going to go 66s, it's probably a lot easier to fill that up when it's a world sample size because people will pop up, man. And um, it's cool because when you show up there at the world championships, and we'll talk about the type of travel this is going to be an experience it's going to be, but when you're in those hotels, man, it, it's like people from all, all different cultures, languages, backgrounds, the whole nine in that hotel, there's a fucking feeling to it. My friend, like you, you feel it when you show up and the flags are hanging from the ceiling. It's like, Oh man, this is it. This is the real deal, man. This is like a real true live international event and people from all over the world with completely different backgrounds from me are now here. And they know it is an entirely different, you know, just like I said, the contrast between um, Charles and Gladkick couldn't be more of a contrast. This is even bigger, man, because this is people from all over the world from like, you know, it's, it's way deeper. And um, when you show up there, it's like a, like, if you can appreciate when you're there, because I know it's tough when you're competing, it's your focus. But at moments, fucking take it in, man. Cause I don't, you never, nothing's for, can't take anything for granted. This freak that, that is 800 kilo total guy could be coming up through us, USVI, whatever the shit next year. And you're like, well, well, that was my only world's then. <laughs> right? It's like, Oh, good. Okay. Like the 66 is Taylor Atwood. So when you're there and, and this is for anybody who's going to be there, fucking just take it in and be like, this is a moment, man. This is a fucking for really real moment. I'm going to have the rest of my life. Um, in terms of all this, like, so international competition, it's a massive flight out to South Africa, a travel, you know, layovers the whole nine. We're talking a full day or more. It could be 28 hours of travel in several, several time zones. Um, 
are you like, how early are you going out there? Have you talked to people about it? Cause I can tell you from doing, you know, a lot of IPF events, just as like I've competed, but also as commentator, it can, you gotta be ready for this in terms of like giving yourself enough days in between and in um, prepping and, and it can change things. Yeah. So uh, as far as my line of work goes, um, I have the ability to work uh, at nighttime. And so the, the last week of work that I'm going to have, I'm going to be working from midnight till eight in the morning. And so I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my body accustomed to the time zone change as early as 10 days out. Uh, I'll probably be waking up at like 10 at night, going to work, getting up, training super early to try and uh, minimize th that effect uh, when I get off the plane. Um, as far as when I'm going to get there, I'm flying out on the third. Uh, like you said, it's like a 24 hour flight. Uh, I'm going to land on the fourth and then I lift on the seventh. So I'm giving myself, you know, the best possible scenario to acclimate to the time zone change, the jet lag, the travel and all those things so that we can uh, have as, as good of a meet as we possibly can. And, um, and you got to anticipate cutting a lot of weight because it's tough doing the water loading and all that shit with 28 hours of travel. Yeah. So I weigh 155 pounds. So I've got about 10 pounds to cut. That's exactly where I was for the USVI Nats. And, uh, man, we've got the fucking water cut locked in. Um, it's Good. a, it's a, it's a water cut, sodium load and gut cut, uh, all in the same. And, and when I did the, uh, cut for USVI Nats, man, when I got on the platform, I, I didn't lose any strength. I felt great. Um, and so I, I literally took notes on every single thing that I did, uh, for that prep. I'm going to do the exact same thing. And, and when I get onto the plane in Dallas, I'm going to literally have everything that I'm going to consume from that moment until the meet in a, in another luggage all by itself. So, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be scrambling. You know, I listened to Gavin talking about, he, he was trying to get water, at, uh, at worlds and he couldn't find the water, uh, because it was free, but, um, you know, I, I don't want to run into that situation whatsoever. I don't want to have to look at the local cuisine and say, okay, what fits these macros that I'm trying to get in today? Um, so, you know, we're going to be as prepared as you can possibly be. I love Gavin's like, I'm glad I took a bullet for everybody to, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll share my story. Listen, people, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, that that's what experience can give you. Right. But it's true. Look at, because you're with chance, I've had conversations with chance a bunch and I was talking to chance at PA Nats and I forget who he was talking to, but, um, somebody was saying like, he was, he was essentially like, like chance is coming in prepared. He doesn't believe like, Yes, you have to be as strong as possible. Yes, you do all of this training and you show up, but chances that guy that no variables are going to be untouched. You have one day to become a world champion. One day you show up. So chances like if it's fucking handling, it's got to be on point. The research has to be done. There's like, he goes to Matt Gary, um, and you're probably familiar if, if Chance is your guy, then you know who Matt Gary is. But um, he knows, like, because Matt Gary does this, you have interviews with your handler leading in, and the handler who's going to be game day coaching you is like, let me see your videos. Where's your training numbers at? Where's your previous numbers at? How much weight are you cutting? How far out are you cutting? What's the travel like? When do you get in? When do you lift? Let me see the, the roster that you're going against. What is their percentage of missing their third squat to missing their third dead? Um, and they know everything about lot numbers, everything about the whole nine and the recomp and everything you got it there. It's all done in interviews leading up to like, 
they know all you got and what they got and what needs to be done. And they know all the rules and they know everything they need to do. If something pops up, all the different scenarios and chance, this is how Matt Gary runs his game day. And that is how chance will run it because chance is like, you know, I know how he looks at Matt Gary as well. And a lot of guys do as well. And um, so it helps that, but even with like, I, like chances at PA Nats and we're talking and I forget who's talking to, but um, it, it was like, the recomp even or even like the cutting you if you don't know your everything's data everything's data if you don't know how many calories do you take in leading into your weigh-in when you switch from foods to non-solid foods to because obviously there's the there's the calories but there's the weight in your stomach so then it becomes not just like have you eaten or what was it? Well, it's this many calories. No, no. But how heavy is it in your stomach? You can have something way lighter in your stomach, but way more calorie dense. And then it, like all of it has to be, you know, chances that guy who's also like, I need, how many calories do you have? Are you cutting too many calories? And you're not going to feel the same. Like it's too dicey. And if you've done this before and it worked, cool, cool. But it might not this time. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. If you can't tell me how many calories, how many, what, if you're just like eyeballing it up, all you need is a variable of not feeling hungry, but feeling okay, feeling good, despite not being hungry. And you don't know until I get you under a bar, how fucking few calories you've had. It can't be intuitive. This isn't fucking your day to day, bro. This is the world's. And, and that's where chance brings that approach of like, I need to know, you know, and my, for, for myself, if I'm doing it for my lifters, for whatever, like, no, 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 no. How many calories, sodium, everything. And then when you're recomping, do we have enough time and let's get the calories in there. And how does that set in your stomach? The whole night, it has to be done, man. People don't realize this is the world's, this is the world level. If you're with somebody and they're not doing this fucking, because maybe your coach is more of a programmer than game day or and all the rest of it find somebody to jump in as well and, and build a team around you as opposed to just one person, which is fine. I'm glad you got chance, man. Cause chance is a fucking, he takes this like uber seriously. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better coach, uh, than chance. Um, that was why I originally hired him in the first place was, um, you know, I had been watching him things he was doing with his athletes, watching his, uh, you know, videos and, and seeing what his philosophy was around powerlifting. And it, it happened to not only coincide with what I believed, but uh, I was learning so much from him. And then when I hired him, we just had a, an immense amount of success. Uh, so my, my first local meet that I had ever done was the, which was the only meet I've ever done without chance. I had like an 1120 total. It was, it was pretty bad. And then, you know, within being uh, with chance for a year, we had added 350 pounds to my total. And so chance, chance knows what he, shit. yeah, it was, it was pretty <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, chance knows so much about powerlifting. He's so knowledgeable. Um, and, and he applies that to his coaching. You know, he's always asking me, you know, different variables that like, I'm not even thinking of, I'm like, why is he asking me? And then, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, Oh, that's why he was asking. That makes sense. Um, and it's just to put me in the, the best position to be successful. Um, and so, you know, we've, we, like I said, we've talked about the game plan of, of what we're going to do at Worlds, how we're going to go about certain things, um, the water cut, you know, I mean, this dude, he brought up to me and I didn't even think about it that 
in South Africa, they, they have a different outlet plug on their wall. And he was like, you need to make sure you get one so that you can charge your phone and, and whatnot. So, I mean, he thinks about everything. Um, and uh, like I've said a million times before, I, I couldn't be here without him. Dog, you want to find somebody who's like fucking neurotically obsesses about details and shit. You, that's your guy. <laughs> you need you need to find someone who like thinks like this or or if not like um you know who bring like, build a team like taylor atwood for instance like this is the humble thing too is like some coaches would be like look at uh, some of this space is in my space bring other people on board some coaches like want to be everything and feel um you know it's insecurity that they'd be insecure if you got someone else for their expertise in a certain place right that's out of insecurity. And some people like the, some of those coaches will try to play down the need for, you know, dieting for game day handler for whatever the shit. And it's like, all right, cool. But if you got put to the test and start getting quizzed on how to do all these things, or do you stack up? Are you elite in all of those facets? And, um, because if you're not, you're not helping your guy. And that's where like, like we talk about Taylor Atwood being the outlier, but Taylor Atwood's team is like, bring in whoever. Like we, we Taylor Atwood is surrounded by like, he is his main people for sure that oversee the, the training in the, the tr like the programming, but, and, but they also oversee the other aspects, but they will bring in, you know, people to also help out or just consult even um, even like Jason Tremblay, even when it comes to programming, he has peer-reviewed his training for Taylor Atwood. You know, I've talked about it before. They talk about it on their on their podcast where he's like saying it, sending it to some dude with two PhDs across the world, be like, I need you to review what I wrote for Taylor. And then when it comes to game day, they're like either straight up bringing in Matt Gary or just consult and be like, I need, let's go over some of this stuff with like, you just seek out the experts. That's humble, man. That's how you get, that's like, that's where you're going to get better. And, and when you're not worried about like, well, fuck, if my athlete doesn't see me as fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi or some shit of a powerlifting, they don't see me as the Yoda. It's like, no, man, if you start talking to me like you're Yoda, like you know everything, I'm looking at you funny. And I might not say nothing, but in my mind, I'm actually like, come on, dog. <laughs> you know, like I've been doing this for a long time and even I know this. And, um, and that's where like a guy like chance, like he fucking has meetings and shit like that with like Matt and like whoever, like he's just soaking it in and, and then passing along information. And, um, yes, it, it is in, in terms of those variables, when you show up at worlds, look at this is shit that people, when they're this far out will be like, not a big deal, man. Just let me get as strong as possible. We'll see what the fuck happens. We'll do, we'll go to battle or whatever. But when you show up and it becomes like, that's when all of a sudden, if you haven't had your calories in check, or you haven't had all of these things or the recomp or the, or the weight cutting or the game day handling and the, and had these discussions with your game day handler ahead of time and all the rest of it, that's when the anxiety, it's a far more anxious moment. And, um, it makes you feel so much better on that day. You could tell when you're in the fucking lineup to weigh in and you look at people's faces the most relaxed guy in that lineup is the guy who's had every fucking one of those variables checked. He's had those meetings with his handler. He's got the recall, everything. And he's like, all my work is done for real. And if that dude looked at the dude to his left, who's struggling and be like, playboy, have you done this, that, and the other? Do you even know what it means? If you get this lot number, 
do you even know what any of that means? Does your handler even know? Does your handler know all my numbers? Does your handler know all your numbers? Does your handler know all this shit? And that dude, the expression on his face will be different then and it's too late. But that's when it's like, okay, well, if we're all neck and neck, don't think those variables aren't going to be the tiebreaker. When, and you guys are that neck and neck, right? That's yeah. sportsman. It's all about prep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, they say if you fail to prepare, then you're preparing to fail. And uh, so, yeah, every everything about powerlifting um, at this level has to be on point. You have to know what's going on, all the things you were talking about. And, and like when you bring up Taylor uh, and having an entire team around him, I mean, I could see in the future of powerlifting that that's going to be a requirement to, to be at that level uh, and to win. Mm. You know, you, you look at you look at any sport, uh, take football, for instance, you know, back in the 60s, maybe they watched a little bit of film and, and that was it. And now they're sitting on the sideline with a tablet going over plays real time, you know. Um, and I think that as powerlifting begins to grow, um, like I say, I think that's going to be a requirement. You're going to have to have a nutritionist. You're going to have to have somebody who programs, somebody who's looking at your videos and critiquing your form. Um, and they're going to have to be at the, the top level of their field in order to help you. Um, and so, uh, you know, but with Chance, I think that he uh, he can do all of those things. Uh, I, I've, I have more faith in that man than I have in myself sometimes. You know, he always seems to have an answer um, and he's always led me in the right direction. There, there's been times where, uh, you know, maybe he says something to me or, or whatever. And I, and I kind of like look at him funny and I'm like, man, I don't fucking know. But then we come out on the, on the other side looking pretty. So uh, <laughs> at, at this point, I just, I just know I have to trust chance and, uh, and, and he's going to lead us to victory. There's nothing like experience to teach all this. Like I've had people on podcasts, like one of my like close buddies that I, over the course of um, doing these, these events is Gavin. Like he's, he's a good dude. And um, seeing his growth as an athlete from like when he was a PA Nats, we all went out for dinner. I mean, like 35 of us went out for dinner. It was crazy. And my man sat by Matt Gary and was and in the bus or in the van ride there. And during dinner, he's fucking soaking up. Like he's like asking all these questions. Right. And this is, he's like, yeah, I'm leveling up, man. You learn through experience. You could, you could hear podcasts, watch YouTube videos, read articles, but there's nothing like going through it yourself. And then being like, I need to, you know, fill this, fill that, you know, there's a void here and I'm going to, and this is it. And that's what people do is that's what life will do is fucking when you're, when you have these opportunities, it's an opportunity for growth. And he was there, PA Matt's, um, to do commentary and help out like in terms of that you know do pay, like just the media wise help blow this up because we're trying to blow it up a little and um he did a great job on commentary and he like interviewed jonathan Kaiko right afterwards too it was a gold moment but uh yeah it, it it it's when you have those moments too like you can grow man if you're in the fucking room with somebody and you're like that's matt gary sit down beside this cat for just you know five ten minutes you want to celebrate do whatever cool but if you got an opportunity and i'm using matt gary could be anybody mm. sometimes you gotta like sit down beside this cat and be like can i ask you a couple questions and then all of a sudden you don't know what you don't know right so you just start the conversation and all of a sudden you're like oh shit i got some follow-up questions now you know here we go <laughs> but uh yeah you know uh you know so i was at pa nets that uh to watch chance there as well um and, and i had been 
so we're all NAS 2019, but it's such a large event that, that it's so diluted with the, the people that are there. Um, there's just so many people you can't really focus on too much. And then, you know, I went to the Arnold, but it was the COVID Arnold. And so it wasn't, you know, really what everybody says it normally is. Uh, PA Nats was the first time where I walked into the room and I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? I don't belong here. Like there was just so many like people that you've, you've been watching for years that are their world champions. They're literally the best in the world at what they do. And it was almost surreal uh, to, to be there and to see all these people, uh, seeing you for the first time, you know, I've been following King of the Lifts for, you know, fucking four or five years now, uh, seeing you was huge. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I think that when you're in that situation, uh, you have to, you have to pick the brain of the other people who are successful. Um, you know, because I think the people that you surround yourself with will be an indicator of where you're going, you know, are you around a lot of successful people? Okay. Then that's good. That's a good thing you need to. And, uh, and if you're surrounding yourself with a bunch of losers, well, you're probably going to be a loser, you know? Um, and so, and, and no, man, PA Nats was huge. And, uh, you know, talking about Gavin, you know, doing that, those kinds of things. I feel like Gavin's different. Like, I feel like that dude's going somewhere, you know, just to listen. Yeah, to doesn't he have a weird vibe? This is what I told um, him. Like, dude, you have a vibe to you. I know he's going to do something big. Oh yeah. Like whether power, like powerlifting can only get you so far. He's going to fucking do something. Oh, I yeah. told I, I guarantee absolutely man uh I, I don't know what it's gonna be i know he said he wants to like do some acting or some stuff like that or or whatever but i just feel like success is gonna just always be at his uh his doorstep because uh well i mean he obviously busts his ass uh he's always trying to learn and grow as a lifter uh, yeah. and he just seems like a good person so uh you know it'd be fun to to watch him i think both of you guys are gonna have a tv show together or something one day so we'll see dog i, I wouldn't say no i wouldn't <laughs> yeah. say no give there me the go. script or live t- or reality no it's true gavin's the type of dude um isn't it interesting that some people you just get a vibe right or like there it's just something kind of positive positivity in the way they approach things and they're like uber uber into what they're approaching they're they take it very seriously and they want to grow and you know how dedicated they are to their craft but on the flip side it's not a weird dark you know it's a positive even when they're like super competitive um but they still have a way of approaching it where it can become inspiring as opposed to come off like like shitty. I don't know. I'm, I'm losing the words to describe, but yeah. I think most people know, like you come around certain people who are crazy obsessed with it. And, um, and in terms of competition, they actually end up pushing you away a little bit if you get too close. Cause it's like, oh, well, you're, you're a little prickly at times, huh? But yeah. there's other people like Gavin who will be, you get close and like, this is a charming devil, man. Like you, you like hanging around certain people like that, like pause, even if, um, like I'm older than Gavin in, in terms of like these experiences, whatnot, but it's not even necessarily like, you get close to certain people and they're going to give you like a Matt Gary moment where they're going to give you a bunch of advice from a bunch of like, like there's nothing life advice, right? There's, you know, you can go to university, but life advice is different. Um, so it's not even necessarily that what I'll take off of. Sometimes you meet people like a Gavin, but there's other people like that. And it's their fucking energy that lights something in you where you're like, when we're done and I go home, I'm like, I got to fucking get after this, that, or like after the conference, there's something, when you surround yourself, not only with people that are give, that are good counsel that you could talk to about, Hey man, how should I approach this? And they're not, you trust their judgment in a way of they're not like the emotional type or the over the top, like they're like, listen, you know, and they kick it, the words that you need to hear the baseline, like, don't react this way, react that way, or don't, or whatever it is. That's, that's solid. 
And um, that speaks volumes and also like the energy you feel when you're around that person, if it's positive, it's motivated, and it's not over the top cheesy positive. I mean, just it's the little things, man, where you're like, when you surround yourself with certain people, you fucking feel like you can, you, like almost anything's possible. When your task comes, when you have the proper team around you, you legit do feel like not nearly as intimidated. It matters, man. Like I feel it with all the different shit I do. And it's like, um, you got that positivity and you're like, I got a team around me though. Like I'm not in this totally alone. I got a fucking team and they're solid and I feel stronger when they're around and they're not there physically. I just fucking talk to them or just, and we don't even have to talk about the situation. I just vibe off of what they're, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm good. I'm fucking good. And you know, certain people may not like me. Some people might, some people might say whatever. And then you roll back to your team for like five minutes and you're like, now we're good. Now, as long as I got this team, we're good. It's, uh, it's important, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, me personally, I'm a very introverted person, very shy. Um, And so for me, a lot of times it's hard to to do those kinds of things and and get the exposure from other people to to learn and grow as a person. But, uh, you know, the story that you were telling about how you became the IPF commentator, like you had never done those kinds of things. And you just was like, fuck this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be good at it. You know, that that motivated me to uh, to kind of like you know, have that same mentality uh, and know that like, this is just growth, you know, um, there's no such thing as failing per se, you know, it's just something you can learn from, you know, it's the same. Uh, so like when I went to 2019 Nats, I mean, I had a fucking terrible meet. And in that moment, isolated, I thought it was the end of the world. I was like, dude, I had a terrible meet. My total went down, like what? But in hindsight, you know, three years down the road, dude, that was the best learning experience I could have possibly had in powerlifting because it showed me what I was doing wrong, how I could be better. And now, you know, when I went into the USV USV on Nats, I utilized all of those lessons to be as good as I could that day. And it helped out. So. Uh, 100%. I'm using Gavin again, as an example, he uses his USVI experience, which was totally different than yours um as learning curves and at the time i remember talking to him in the dms he's like holy fuck man and he was he was a little he was upset and um you know some people are talking about him missing weight and he's you know like fucking you know when you're upset about something and someone talks about it you're going to react differently than um time passes and you're like whatever it doesn't super as a matter of fact i could talk about it i fucked up there whatever and um and that's where like there's nothing like life experiences to to just like, it, just what you said in terms of its growth. I know, I understand people are like, it's cliche now to be like, there's, you don't lose, you learn. But I promise you, dog, there is no way you're going to grow for really real without taking some heavy losses. And there's nothing that's going to make you check yourself and be like, what did I do wrong? Or how do I level up? Like taking an L. You're not going to, you have to take some L's to seriously, sometimes when you have, when you need the biggest change, the only, like, I mean, big wholesale change in life, even take a fucking solid L that's got you on the brink and you are going to do a wholesale change, but nothing but a solid L is going to make you do a change like that. And that is the hardest, shittiest reality of life, but it's true. And then you break it down even smaller to sports. All right, my sports L is probably feels a lot easier than a life L. And you're like, okay, fine. It is what it is. There's going to be like this world championships feels like everything. 
my dude, you can be in 10. And this will just be the first of 10. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so with life, I mean, man, wouldn't it be fucking perfect if we won everything, everything went the way we wanted to. Uh, everybody made a million dollars an hour and, and life was perfect. Yeah, that would be cool. But then what would you be chasing? You know, uh, what would actually have value? And so uh, that's not the way life is. You know, you take L's, like you were saying, uh, things don't go the way you want them to. And, and sometimes because they don't go the way you want them to, life turns out better than it was. Uh, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. And I think that it's all about um, taking advantage of the opportunities you have, you know. Uh, so one thing I always tell myself is, is you're the master of your own universe. You can literally do anything that you want to uh, as long as you set your mind to it. It may be hard. It may take you a long fucking time to accomplish it. But if you are that determined in reaching that goal, you absolutely can do it. You just got to put the work in. Uh, you got to make a plan. You got to stick to it. You got to hold yourself accountable. And uh, I think a lot of times uh, people can lose track of that very easily because they look at the mountain and they, all they see is the, you know, the long journey up to the top of it. But it's like you still get there one step at a time. So if you just take one step today and one step tomorrow, eventually you're going to get to the top of that. Uh, and along the ways you're going to slip, you're going to take those L's. Um, but you just have to, you have to have the right mindset. You have to understand that like, this is just a part of the process. This is a part of life. Um, I'm not going to let, allow it to define me. I'm going to use it as motivation uh, and, and to have more knowledge on how to be better at whatever it is I'm trying to, to accomplish. It's um the temporariness of everything is what makes everything mean something and you don't think so you think like like it's the want of i you want to have like 100 million dollars you want to have like whatever everything right and you don't realize like like mike tyson said one time in an interview he's like anybody who thinks money will solve your problems never had money and mike tyson's been dead broke in the ghetto to multi-multi-millionaire, to in a prison surrounded by murderers, to multi-multi-millionaire again, to dead broke in rehab and losing everything, to in his 50s multi-millionaire again. And he's like, been up, down, and all around, man. Some of the best times I've ever had, I was in a prison with fucking, you know, like it, like just killers all around me. And I've had like the laughs and times I had with certain people. And then other times I could be surrounded in a room with nothing but millionaires and I don't trust a fucking one of them. And I know like these people are robbing and stealing from me and I'm miserable. And I'm like, he's like the, the temporariness when you go to certain things and certain events and certain moments, knowing it's fleeting and it's all going to fucking be gone makes you present as fuck when it happens. And you're like, this is a moment, isn't it? And yeah. it's that, you can't appreciate that moment if it happened every goddamn day. It's the, the fact that it doesn't in the fact that you've had some really tough days. So when that comes, you're like, oh, now I feel it. I know it's sweet taste. Like I thought you thought if I, if you only your whole damn life only had diet Coke, you would think diet Coke tasted sweet as fuck, huh? <laughs> That one day I give you a fucking Coke, Joe. 
And you're like, oh, shit. And I'm like, yeah, there's levels to this game. But I can't give you a Coke every day because a Coke will eventually be like water to you. And it means nothing because that's just your daily. So sometimes you have water. Sometimes you have Diet Coke. And sometimes, my man, the universe will put a fucking Coke in your hands. Maybe even a beer or two. Hey, now. Maybe maybe whiskey. Maybe Irish up that Coke for you, my man. But, yeah. um, but that's the way it is. So, yeah, for sure. And in terms of like setting goals and whatnot like you said about um when you stare at that mountain and it's fucking daunting it is literally like if i go back to my schooling here it's project management anyone who's done like you know you don't have to have done business but it's when you break things down to smaller steps it becomes a whole lot more less daunting when you're like okay what's your goals here fucking pull back and think about the things you got to do day to day, step by step to get yourself there. And it becomes a lot easier and chart little milestones along the way. And how do you, how do you actually for real reach them and break down the little things as opposed to, um, I got to fucking win the world championships. Well, how's this like find a coach, find a nutritionist. What's your day look like? What's this day, that day, what's all these different things. Let's go for through the first block. Let's analyze it. All the different things. What are you going to do to get there? And then step-by-step, this is a five-year plan. Okay, cool. What's your, what's your goals after the first year? What's your shit like that? As opposed to some people who get nowhere, talk big, look at the bigger picture, but have no fucking idea. How do I get to the top of this mountain and have no idea the type of work that goes into it. And they get, when they find out, they're like, Oh, I can't do this. You can, it's just a matter of breaking that shit down into, you know, sizable bites. You know, (laughs) Don't bite off more than you could chew. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Life is so precious, man. Um, This is the greatest gift that any of us will ever receive is the ability to live uh, and to enjoy this experience. Um, And I think that, you know, we, Sometimes it can be hard. You go through the day to day, you've got a job, you've got a family, all these things, but, uh, man, it, it makes it hard to like take a step back and, and think to yourself, this is the only time I'm going to get this opportunity to do whatever it is I want to do. And, uh, man, I would hate to get to the end of that line into that road and then look back at all the things that I, I didn't do that I wish I would have. And, uh, you know, it, one talking point that I've heard you bring up on a lot of the podcasts that I've listened to is you, you always talk about how you never know if this opportunity is going to be here the next time, you know, like you said, this could be the only world championship that you get the opportunity to go to. We don't know how long that we're going to be given to live on this earth. And uh, man, like, I just think that you have to, you have to have a passion for whatever it is. It doesn't matter what you love to do. If you love to quilt, fucking quilt the shit out of that blanket, you know, Uh, but you just have to have a passion. You have to attack things. um, Like you said, with a plan, and, uh, and just really give it, give it everything that you have. Um, and, and that's what I try and embody with powerlifting, you know, everything about my life is, um, conducive to the goals that I have because I love powerlifting. Uh, I didn't find the sport until, you know, I was like 28, 29. Um, I didn't even know it was a thing, but I immediately fell in love with the sport. I fell in love with the competition aspect of it. Um, dude, getting, hitting PRs, uh, on squat bench and deadlift is like crack to me. Like if I hit a new PR, I'm just, I'm through the roof the rest of the week. So, um, I think that just, if you can take that mindset and translate it to the other aspects of your life, uh, like relationships, you know, uh, this day and age, you know, relationships 
Um, you know, whether it be a marriage or it be a friendship or family members, a lot of times relationships fall back. And I think it's because people don't put enough effort and energy into making those things what they could potentially be. Um, and, and if you, if you have the same mindset with your job, well, now you can potentially get a promotion and work your way up the chain of whatever your career field is. And, uh, so like I say, man, you just, you just have to have passion. You have to have heart. You have to be unwilling to negotiate with yourself. Um, you know, I've heard the, the clip of Kobe Bryant, where he's talking about, um, I don't negotiate with myself. You know, um, I, I told myself, this is what I was going to do. These were the workouts I was going to do this summer to prepare myself for the next season. And uh, so, you know, when I get into the gym and I'm feeling a little down, I'm tired, I didn't get a, uh, enough water today, just whatever it is, I have stresses from life. Um, and that little, that just that little voice in the back of your head is saying, oh, man, you don't, you don't need to do those accessories. Like just, just knock out bench and then we'll call it good. It's like, fuck no. Like I made a deal with myself. I made a promise to myself. And, and if I can't keep the promises I make to myself, how can I keep the promises I make to you? You know, so you got to hold yourself accountable, be unwilling to negotiate and just attack life with a vigor. Uh, so I got a couple points I want to make off that because you had a couple good ones in there. Uh, like first off, in terms of don't take any opportunities for granted, and this is this is what I told Kristen Dunsmore. She talked about it on the podcast and she's talked about it like in some posts, but when she was able to go to 2019 Worlds and I'm like, go, because you don't know if you'll ever be able to have that Worlds experience again. And then here we are, she's made it and she's going to go to Worlds again. And I'm like, she wasn't sure if she's going to go. And I'm like, Kristen, <laughs> like, you know, you don't know. Take for take for instance, Jessica Bittner, absolute amazing athlete. And we all know this. Um, in the 76s, fucking 2021, so dominant and ahead of the pack. And just because she's such an A-level tip of the spear athlete, you meet her in real life. Like I joke because like we had those pose downs, whatever the shit. But I kid you not, there's certain individuals you meet in real life and it's fucking humbling. Like you legit are like they're you understand when there's 7 billion people walking the world and you get to pull people from around the world, 7 billion deep, you're going to have special instances that'll be like, okay, there's levels to this. And Jessica Bittner, when you meet her in real life, you'll be fucking humbled. They're like, holy shit, that's a human walking around there capable of God knows what. And Jessica Bittner in 2021 fucking what she did you know what she's capable of doing and everyone knows about it in the 76 is it's like she's a 76 kilo queen 2020 now she she could she was thinking about going 84 or whatever around this time period and that would be uh, amanda lawrence land but you want to grab a world title at your natural body weight the body weight you sit at first don't take for granted you can always go back down sure but you don't, this year is this year, next year is next year. Who's there next year? Who's there the year after? Every, everything changes. All you have is right now. Don't assume you that what's happening now is going to be that way in the future. Go to 2022. You got a 19-year-old out of Poland named Agata who just fucking hit the unofficial world record 76 kilo total. She's 19 and she won the equipped world championships. Go to New Zealand, and you got a lady who just came out from, uh, I think she was in a different federation, comes in, and she's hit like 20 kilo over the unofficial world record. And it's like, holy shit, Jessica, you were in the middle of some neck and neck battles, both at this world's when a 19-year-old like Agatha shows up, and next world's 
when Carlina shows up from New Zealand and Agatha and Kimberly Walford's around and blah, blah, blah. It's now like, you see how, and it doesn't mean Jess can't level, Jess is still Jess. She, she can level up, man, trust me. But the point is, it goes from, I got options. If I want to move up and move back down or whatever, it's like, it isn't quite that though. Life is, you can't take opportunities for granted. You better fucking grab that. Like it's the door is going to close. Like it's the only time. And if your goal is to be a world champion, you take that and no one will ever be able to take it from you. 2021, that was yours. You may never win it again. You will die having won a world title. It'll always be on your resume. Every you know, sponsor you go to, event you go to, whatever you do from here on out, you're a power lifter. Yeah. How good were you? Well, I was the world fucking champion. Like that's huge. And um, that's, you know, that's anyway, it's just talking about like in terms of opportunities and shit, I've, I've seen it with the best of the best. And I had conversations being like, you better think hard on this. You know, you can't take for granted. And um, I what was the, another point you were making there? Uh, not negotiating with yourself or. That's uh, it. That's yeah. the fucking one too, is um, not negotiating with yourself. And that is where your confidence, it not only comes from prep, but a, a huge part of it is the, like when we're talking about earlier about like when you show up and you're there in your, you know, lineup about to fucking weigh in and the confidence you have knowing you've done every stone unturned, you know, you've left no stone unturned and you've fucking done it all. And also comes from the, the fact that when you've not renegotiated, you've not, you've done everything like you've every time you could have, and you didn't confidence comes from that as well. So when you show up like people, like how are you so confident? It's like, I've done everything I could. You're almost at peace with whatever you can walk in there. Whatever's going to happen was happening. I'm at peace. If somebody can beat me right now, I could shake your hand. I could, it'll hurt, but I won't look back with regret. I could be like, fuck me. It hurts that I'm not the best in the world. I'm number two. That hurts. You know what hurts more is looking back being like, I fucking got a feeling I was the best and I fucking let it slip. I actually, it's far harder, believe me, to be like, I think I might've been number one that day and came in number two. And it was in my capabilities and I let it happen. Live with that. And then the next year that door closes and that was your opportunity. And the reason why the rest of your life you don't have that is because you just didn't fucking tighten it up and take it seriously or whatever. Yes, no matter what, number two is going to be tough, even though in context, fucking it's a silver medal worldwide. You're, you're probably all right. But in terms of living with things, trust me, the conversation is easier when you're like, whatever, man. There was another human being walking around that was just a stitch a half a kilo stronger that day. You can live with things. But when it's like, no, I think it was me. I think I, I was the best that day. I just, I fucking, I didn't take this. I didn't do that. I didn't fucking get my, my recomp and check. I didn't do my macro. I didn't do, I didn't fucking do that until after the fact. And you're like, damn it, man. 
Damn it, that's a hard one. That's that's like the girl that you didn't go say hi to when you should have. <laughs> right? That is that is that movie, my friend. That's the job interview that you fucking slept in on, and it was in the bank, and it was yours. You're like, oh my god, I hit snooze, and here we are. Um, yeah, that's yeah. tough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think everybody has uh, their own principles and and things that they value. Uh, for me. Uh, the thought process of like potentially winning an IPF world championship uh, to me was so important, which was why I stuck with uh, an IPF affiliate uh, as opposed to staying with USAPL. Uh, Because to me, like you could give me a check for a million dollars tomorrow and I could blow it within a month. It's gone. I'll never have it back. But that, that IPF world championship, if you win that, it doesn't matter. Nobody can ever take that away from you. You are a world champion for the rest of your life. And, uh, man, it's just, it, it's so, uh, it's so special and important and, uh, man, I look forward and, um, to this opportunity. Uh, I think the, the big man upstairs for, for giving me the ability and the opportunity to be where I'm at, uh, to even be in this, in this conversation with you right now, like how many people go their entire life, uh, in, in powerlifting and are never going to get this fucking opportunity. You know, they, they, they work just as hard as you do. They put just as much effort into it as, as you do, but they're not going to get this opportunity. And so I think that to do anything other than to take this as seriously as possible uh, would be, you know, pretty foolish. It's, um, I remember as I work one time and some, some kid who didn't work out was talking to me and he was like, how much do you like lifting weights? And I'm like, I've done it my whole life. Even when I was a kid, I went into the basement my dad didn't lift my brother older brother didn't lift and i've just fucking lift i had no idea what i was doing and i just did that and and uh and i fucking nobody is telling me to no one steered me to i just did it on my own as a child and i've done it my whole fucking life and i'm like i'm trying to explain to him what it means to me and he's like if i gave you a million dollars right now if i give you 10 million dollars right now 10 million but you can't lift weights for the rest of your life would you take it and i told him let me put it to you this way. Do you play the guitar? Do you paint? Do you have some kind of passion, music, listening to music, the joy you get from listening to music? Can you imagine? I said, can you imagine if I told you for the rest of your life, you will never hear another song for the rest of your fucking life, or you'll never paint again, you'll never play the guitar again, whatever you love, whatever passion fills your time, you're, that's yours. That's your life. That's a part of you. And I'm never again. Will you ever have that? But I'll make you a millionaire. Do you think, would you give that up if that gave you that kind of joy, that kind of passion, that kind of satisfaction, that kind of, that's yours. And it's, it's not, it doesn't matter how good you are at it. It doesn't matter who sees you do it. It doesn't matter if you're alone or with a crowd. You could go to the well and do that and it can turn your whole fucking day around. And I'm going to take that from you, but I'll make you a millionaire. And it goes back to what Mike Tyson said. You know, if you think that's going to solve all your problems, you haven't had money. And I'm like, and I said, would you do it? If you had that in your life, whatever it is. And he thought on it because I know he didn't have that in his life yet, maybe. And he was like, okay, I get it. And I was like, well, there it is. It was hard. It's hard to explain to some people, um, but it's like, well, then you got it. And yes, like, look, we're fucking human. If it's like, you're like, what if I give you generational wealth 
and you're you're good, your family's good, your kids are good, you can change the community. All right, well, look at man, if we start getting crazy hypotheticals, man, you can change the world with a hundred, you know, like enough money. But yeah. if we break it down to more realistic, um, what we actually have in terms of opportunities in real life, not silly hypotheticals or what if it's a hundred mil? What if it's 500 mil? Well, listen, asshole, if you gave me 5 billion, I don't, I'll fucking start murdering people every Sunday. <laughs> it is don't ask questions like this. But, um, but if we're talking actually realistic, right? And these are actual life decisions you're really going to make. That is more, that is kind of an indication of where some people are going to swing. And if you, the real life opportunity money and the real life opportunity joy and past and life goals is far smaller and in terms of money but not smaller in terms of impact of what it means to you on the other side when i said giving up weightlifting like there will be a job that comes and it might be a crazy intensive all hours of the day type of job and but your lifestyle might jump up 50k not fucking millions but 50k and you, some people will be faced with, do I stop? Do I put down the guitar? Do I stop painting? Do I stop golfing or whatever the shit it is? You better, you live once. How happy do you want to be? What joy do you want? Do you have a passion? Do you, how much does it take for you to lose your dream? Do you lose your passion for you to lose whatever it means to you? And it, it doesn't fucking matter if someone else gets it when it's that. Doesn't matter. You don't got to justify your goals. It doesn't matter what it means to you. If it's 50K extra a year and it's not enough, then it's not enough. And if they don't get it, then they don't get it. And if it's, and if you can have both, amazing, but not everyone can have both. But if you can, fucking right, do it, make it work. And if you can't, follow your heart. And that's it, man. That's it, brother. You know, it's a... Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, you have to look at, you know, what are those things that are important in your life? And like you were talking about, I started working out when I was like 12 years old. I grew up in Texas and uh, it's a little different than some states, but like in Texas, when you're in middle school, you're actually playing sports for the, the school as opposed to like a, a peewee team or a little league team. And so when I was 12 years old, I started working out. I think I weighed like 75 pounds, uh, but I immediately fell in love with it. And, um, and, and I was really big into sports growing up, uh, you know, played pretty much everything you can think of. And so working out was just, was a normal thing for me. And then uh, when I was in high school, I moved to Florida. And uh, so, I, you know, I was on the weightlifting team, played football, did all those things. And uh, so like with all, like with almost every step of my adolescence, like lifting was there. And for me being, you know, short, being small, uh, I always felt like I had to prove myself, had a chip on my shoulder. And so lifting weights was a way to help me get through those, those moments. And it, and it helped to boost my confidence because uh, it made me bigger. It made me stronger. It made me feel powerful. And, uh, and then, you know, you translate to adulthood, you know, there were times where going to the gym got me through heartbreak and, and just, you name it, you know, it kept me uh, from going to the bar and, and doing things I probably shouldn't be doing. And so, yeah, dude, like you're saying, you know, lifting weights to me is, is so important. Um, it's, it's been there, you know, I'm 33. So it's been there for two thirds of my life. There's no way I could give it up. And, um, and then it just, it just so happens that I'm lucky enough to, you know, because I have a very competitive nature. I love sports. I love competing that well, shit. Now you get to compete doing the thing you love to do. And, and, and that's what piloting was. And man, you always, everybody always looks back and, and says to themselves, man, I wish 
this would have happened. I, you know, I wish I would have known powerlifting was a thing when I was 20. Mm. You know, I didn't find it till I was 28 or 29, but uh, th that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. I found it when I was 28. And uh, so I, you got to make the best of what you have when you get it. And, um, but yeah, man, uh, very blessed, very fortunate to, uh, to be here doing this. Dude, I found powerlifting when I was 28 and yeah. um, doors open up that like, you just don't like, dude, when I, when I, cause when I was 28 and I found powerlifting, I, if you would have told me, I would have ended up like all the stories you've heard. If you listen to the podcast, like, yeah. holy shit, dude, this is a crazy ride. And um, like before that, the only people calling me six pack lab at were my boys. You know what I mean? Like now from like all the media stuff to whatever the all the experiences, it's because of powerlifting, dude. Like th that is, that is why, even if it's not, directly powerlifting related once you walk through one door other doors open you've never could have pictured you never could have imagined um so yeah like i totally get it for sure i wish i found powerlifting when i was a fucking child but it's also at the same time sometimes i stop and i'm like thank god i found powerlifting at some point or found whatever at some point and maybe you know, like there's always a way of thinking, like if I would have found it, like we all do, this is no, but it, like if I found it when I was 50, imagine what I could have done if I found it, but you're only picturing the positive. I know people who were, they, they were, re they're wrestlers, two twins, national champion wrestlers, whatever, started when they were in high school young. And by the time they were 20, they were fucked up badly. One of them ended up being a drug addict on painkillers because they're so badly injured, whatever the shit. And it's like, you don't know if you were being saved by finding it later on in life and God knows what would have happened. And it could have been the, the, the butterfly effect where it's like, if you didn't find chance that quickly and chance wasn't around when you were 15 and whatever it was, you would have ended up doing this, that, and the other, and you have no idea. And it is actually, thank God you found it at 28, but you don't know that. You'll just yeah. look back and think, if I would have found it at 15, this would have happened. Oh, is that right? Everything works out because you find it sooner. No. No, man. You know, like, uh, again, if we go back to Mike Tyson, he was the heavyweight champion of the world at 20. He's a professional at 18. And he's like, I got too rich, too famous, too quick and ended up in prison by 24. He's like, if I would have found it later on in life, it's not always sooner's better. It's not always you're just picturing the best possible scenario. If you found it sooner, you might it might be coming to you exactly at the right time. This is yeah. ex actually exactly what you needed. You know what I mean? Like 28 was the sweet spot and 33 is even better when you're going to worlds or, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. just the way of perspective, the way you're looking at it. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic way to look at it. Um, you know, I've gone through a lot of, of ups and downs and, and had my rough moments in life. And when I, when I sit there and I look at my life now, I love my life, man. Uh, I'm super blessed, super fortunate to have what I have, to have the opportunities that I have. And, and so when I sit there and I think about it like that, and I look back at the, the things that weren't fun to go through, uh, I think to myself, well, like you just said, if those things don't happen, do I get to this point in life? You know, and, and possibly not, you know, like you say, if I found powerlifting at 20, you know, what kind of people would I have been surrounded with? What path of, of like, because there's a million different federations. You know, there's a different, different sections to powerlifting. Maybe I go down a road in powerlifting itself that never leads me to an IPF world championship. 
you know? And so, yeah, man, I think that, uh, you're, you're hundred percent spot on that. Uh, sometimes through disasters, great things can come, you know, after a hurricane, the sun's going to shine. So I think you have to look at it like that, man. You're spot on with that, that take. And when we, when we hypothesize about finding things sooner, it's always positive and very regular, very rarely are we like, I could have fucking avoided some crazy shit. Like I could have like, I, I often have been like, man, if I would have started, if I would have found social media sooner or feels around when I was younger. Yeah. Right. But do you remember you six pack when you were 20, you weren't you at 42 dog. Like you, you, you know, like you, yeah. maybe it's better. Your youth was like in the dark ages. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there is like, there's a million ways of looking at it, man. You probably, you might have a guardian angel who's been like, dog, I saved the fuck out of you. Like so many, I'm earning so much shit right now. Like yeah. I'm working overtime, man. Enough yeah. already. Um, in terms of like going the, the USVI route, choosing the IPF, let's talk about that. Cause everyone's got options. And um, obviously Chance was talking about like, he kind of wishes that he went the USVI route as well. Uh, he was hoping for it, but he's going to be at IPF Worlds anyways. But for us, the way I look at it, I like the fact that in the US, we have both you and Jonathan Garcia going. I like the fact that there's more options. A lot of people talk about how the American market is so potent, you could send two teams. We now have a bit of a benefit where we can almost do that. We can almost have a second roster as well. Not everybody, but it helps a little bit. And the 66s wouldn't be as stacked. Um, so as a fan, I'm happy as fuck. Both you and Jonathan are going. You know, like especially after hearing Jonathan's story. Holy shit, can you imagine that guy doesn't go? <laughs> but um, as the lifter, what went through your decision-making process? And, and why do you think you went that route? So when I made the decision to go down to 66 and got back into the gym, that was May of last year. And then what was it? Two or three months shortly thereafter, the, the USAPL and the IPF had their split. Mm. And, and my whole goal was to go to USAPL Raw Nats and, and try and win a 66 kilo national title to try and go to Worlds. That was the goal. And so when that split happened, I was sitting there thinking to myself, okay, well, how do I, what is my avenue to get to, to Worlds? Obviously, I had heard about the USVI. I saw what Kim did for Russ and Keiko and, and all these other guys last year. Jesus, uh, they got them to Worlds last year. And so I thought to myself, is that a possibility? Is that a road that I can take? Um, I started to hear rumors about another American Fed popping up. But at that point in time, didn't know when or if that was going to happen. We knew it would, but like when was more, was more so the timeline was the important part. And um, so I took a shot in the dark. I applied to, to transfer over to the USBI, talked with Kim. She was super inviting, super helpful. Um, and, and they, they brought me in with open arms. Uh, I had to send a resignation into the USAPL for my membership there. Um, but then, yeah, I became a member of the USBI and, uh, you know, here we are now in terms of how that all works. People may be surprised to hear me say this, is it a good thing because, okay, we're good. We're going to have two Americans and, and the Americans are generally at the top level of the sport. Yes, I think it is. But I would be lying to you if I told you that I don't think it takes a little bit away from representing your country. I'm not from the USVI. Technically, the USVI is a territory of the United States. And so everybody that lives there are U.S. citizens. 
Um, and, and so that's kind of the workaround with this whole situation, but like, man, I, I'm not, I'm not going to leave the USBI until somebody makes me leave. Right. Because, because they went out on a limb and they allowed me to come. They gave me the opportunity that I have right now. And, uh, who knows if I would be here without them. And so I'm going to give them loyalty. Loyalty is, is the most important thing to me. And so if I'm going to go and win a world championship, and if I'm going to go lift at the Sheffield, well, I'm going to represent the USBI because they, they took care of me. Um, but you know, I can see, I can see both arguments, you know, like ultimately whoever's going to win worlds is going to win worlds, whether they do it through the USBI or they do it through the US. So I don't think it takes away from that, but I can see how some people could potentially on the other side say, well, you know, I'm second place in my country. I can't go across the the border there and and go through another fed to get there. And you know, that like, if I would have went to PA Nats, it doesn't matter who would have won out of me and Jonathan, but one of us wouldn't be going right now. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's a loophole. We'll just call it what it is. It is a loophole, but other people don't necessarily have that ability to do so. So I'm thankful and I'm happy that it is what it is, but uh, I see both sides of the argument. For sure. I mean, yeah, well, look, we talk about Glykick and Ilya and they're two world-class 66s. And um, I mean, some years you could send two people in one week class, but to your point, that's like, like chance for instance chance and Keiko are both going but that's not every weight class that's not you know that's just if if someone pulls out etc um so 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 an extra slot opens up but you're right like that's tough and it on the flip side though it is for anyone listening how the usvi works yeah it's a territory of the united states of america they are american citizens so it's um and some other nations do have that as well probably i'm sure i'm sure france or or you know there's there's some situations like that elsewhere as well but um it's still uh there's there's something about having usa across the chest or like your country across like that's that's a dream when you're a kid right you don't foresee um situations like this popping up but on the flip side when people talk to you about it and they ask you about it or your kids in the future are like dad but you're um you're american and when I look at these pictures of you at the world championships, et cetera, throughout these years, you don't have, how come you don't have the American flag? It's also an opportunity for you to have the conversation about loyalty and integrity and saying like, when somebody does you a solid, it's not just when it helps you, you know, it's not just like, there's, there's something there like that. And it's, it's an opportunity to have that conversation. You know what I mean? Be like, yes, that's true. That cl- door closed on me but here's why. And this is, you know, and there's something to be said for that, man, the, that, um, yeah, you represent your nation, but first and foremost, you have to represent yourself. Mm-hmm. And if, if you lay down a bed at night and you're like, man, when I didn't know the opportunity, like the, a new fed was going to come in time when that was uncertain. And I reached out and they said, yes, we'll help you. When the opportunity came, did I turn around and be like, ah, bye. I'm good though, huh? And just bounce or did I stick? And I'm like, well, this person had my back when I needed them, you know? And then, and then down the road, they might be like, listen, um, cause, cause the more you guys do help bring eyeballs to the USVI, every time you, everything you do, every podcast you do, every time you talk about it, more eyeballs come to the USVI and eventually like that, that, that federation itself is going to grow and grow and grow. And eventually somebody's going to come up and they might, it might even be a mutual understanding where it's like, hey, listen, we know you're sticking out of loyalty and we appreciate the fuck out of it. 
we know you could have a spot in the 66 team if you want to do battle with the 66s on the homeland. We have a 66 coming up. It might that conversation might happen. Like, appreciate your integrity and everything you've done, man. But don't feel like you've got to stick just because now we got a 66 coming. He could take this spot. Um, he might not be as good as you, but it would be he would abs it would be lovely for him to go to worlds. And, um, you know, when you came, we didn't have a 66. Now we do like things like that come too, you know, yeah. and you have, it's just that dialogue and fucking Kim and all of them in USVI, you know, like I talked to them as well. And I don't know if they listen to podcasts or whatnot. I know they do here and there, but you know, they'll know, they understand they're everyone. Communication is key, man. And eventually yeah. you never know how it happens. Like, so this is where you're at now. And I totally appreciate how you're like, you know, in terms of integrity, I got to do this, uh, even though it's not my childhood dream. I didn't even know this would be an option earlier. Down the year, down the road, stick around. You might be back. You know what I mean? Just do what you do, what feels right, essentially, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like I said, if something came up, and especially the the scenario that you brought up, where like if there is somebody who lives like on St. Thomas and he's a '66 and he's trying to get the worlds, I, I would have no problem. If, if they came to me and they were like, hey, look, we think that he should be the 66. And, and I would step back, I'd, I'd go to PLA and, and I'd be happy um, because I think that's the right thing to do. And, and I would want to do it that way. Um, so long as there is no other 66 in the USVI and then so long as they'll have me, you know, I'm going to be there. Um, but, you know, and the, the other thing that makes me want to stay, you know, even more other than just the loyalty and the, the integrity is, you can't ask for a better group of people. Like there has never been a time in my powerlifting career where I walked into a meet and I had so many people make me feel like I'm supposed to be there. Open arms. Like I remember I went to go shake somebody's hand. They're like, nah, give me a fucking hug. And they just like, I've never, I've never, I've never met this person before in my life, you know, but it's, it's a, it's more of a family environment than it is like a, a federation where, you know, people are just mutual acquaintances. And so, uh, man, what, what Kim has done down there with the USBI, uh, what she's put together, as well as the other people there. She's, she's not the only one, but um, what they've put together down in the USBI is, uh, is super, uh, super amazing. Um, and I, I'm super thankful to be a part of it. It'll, and man, these things, they'll grow. Like we've seen in PA Nats when the Jamaicans came up um, and Team Jamaica is relatively new to powerlifting and dog, they, they got they're starting to get strong 83s pulling over 700 and like you know what would have been just a couple of years ago um world record level and it's it's crazy man like are these nations all they need is like some popularity some stars to come up like when brett gibbs came around in new zealand at a time like 2016 2015 we're going back some years now new zealand at the time was not this big powerlifting it was brett and you fast forward to 2022 in New Zealand's got shooters, man. Like they, like whether it's men's, whether it's women's, they got several people who can win world titles. It's, you know, from juniors to the open to whatever, man, they have like contenders coming in. Um, so you look at like, all you need is, we were talking about earlier, you need the talent to have a reason why they look over at your sport. And when it comes to certain nations, they got talent they just don't, they haven't discovered your health. Your sport hasn't popped off over the yet. They're not, it's not on the mind. Have some people start doing some things. 
have some events in town. So when people from the mainland start coming over to that, you know, whether it's USVI or even in Jamaica, they start coming over here to the PA Nats as guest lifters. People were asking, why are these Jamaicans here for the powerlifting American nationals? Because they want to help the Jamaican Federation grow. And when they show up, these athletes get to see like world champions, like Taylor Atwood, Jesus Oliveras and fucking witness that live and like see people like Matt Gary, Joey Flex and like, you know, the broadcast by SPD and oh shit, there's, you know, six pack from King of the Lifts and there's whatever the shit and they feel that excitement and then the people back home in Jamaica are watching the stream to watch them and um, their coaching staff, the athletes, the same thing that Gavin did when he sat down beside, beside Matt Gary, you know, take a humble approach and make, let me ask you some questions if you don't mind. It's the same thing that they can do when they're in the warm-up room, when they're in the whatever, just hanging out in the hotel and be, let me ask you something. And you're elbow to elbow with world champions, world level coaching. That's how you make the excitement, the knowledge, everything. That's how you help a federation grow. Like that's, I hope there's more of that when you got a big solid nation with all of these stars, right? Like the amount of world champions that were there that weekend. And when you invite guest lifters from a nation that you're trying to bring up, invite them over. They're not taking anyone's spot because they're guests. And people are like, well, then what's the point? That's the point. You know, like you don't know, like in three, four years, like humble, because we know stories about like three, four years later, this dude is now world-class. It's like, oh, it's like, yeah, man. Like, let them come. Let them let them soak it in. I thought that was such a good idea. I was so happy that they did that. And I think they should do it more, like all around the world. It, you know, over in Europe, the French nationals, if there's a close by European in Europe, it's not a big flight or, or train to get to different nations. If there's a nation starting to rise up and, and that fed reaches out and like, hey, would you mind? Our nationals is relatively small. Uh, you know, our, our coach, our coaching, our refing, everything is not going to be the same standard. Do you mind if we send some of our top stars over to your nationals as guest lifters? I hope they all say, fuck yeah. Send them, send them. Yeah. Let's do this. This is how we get better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, like that's going to be pivotal in the success of powerlifting becoming more mainstream and growing as a sport. I mean, look at France. You know, they're the perfect example of how a couple of years can take uh, a country who's, uh, you know, powerlifting hasn't really popped off to where like we've got like six world champions now. Like, <laughs> damn, you know? And, uh, you, and, and so I'm looking around the world, you know, there's other countries that are starting to do this. Uh, Italy is, is on the rise. I think Spain is going to be on the rise. So, yeah. And so, you know, that's what we need for powerlifting, you know, uh, to, to continue to grow um, and uh, to, to really see what is our human potential in powerlifting. Like, like so with powerlifting being such a, a small sport, we have a small amount of people who are lifting, right? Like we look at Russell Orhe and we're like, that dude is the freak. Like he is a fucking monster. But how do we know that there's not some some kid in Senegal right now that makes Russ look like, you know, pedestrian, you know, like we right. don't know that. <laughs> That's scary to think about, but oh my God. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. you know, you, yeah. just think about it. But like, and so, but if we continue to do these things, uh, have these, uh, like the Jamaican team that came to PLA and like, you're right, dude, I, I watched them as well that day and, and they're, 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 they're monsters. Like they're, they're on the rise. Um, but you continue to do that with all these countries, grow the sport. Uh, we're going to really see what uh, potential is in strength as far as powerlifting goes. And, uh, and I can't wait for it. I want to pull up cause we're talking about it. Um, I'm going to pull up the gentleman's name 
the 83. I think it's Scott Jennings, but let me make sure. Cause we were going yeah. back and forth. Do you know if it is? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. I want to uh, get his name right. Scott Jennings. That's right. It is Scott Jennings. Yeah. He's a, he was a monster, man. But there's that. We started talking and this is it. Man. You just start talking in DMs because you meet somebody. And this is why I love going to events. You meet people from all over the fucking world and just start talking about things. And uh, but anyways, yeah, man, it's um, I, I remember this one dude, I was watching a show on Netflix and this one guy is going all over the world and he he checks out these martial arts from around the world and different nations and different nations have a history of it. Right. And I think it's Nigeria he goes to, and he's talking to these dudes who are all jacked huge, like NFL. They look like they'd be in the NFL and they're doing what they do like wrestling with striking involved. And this version of wrestling limited striking it's mostly wrestling is massive in Nigeria. I mean, like, they pack a stadium with 60,000 or plus people show up to watch this. For them, it's it's everything, right? And, and outside the stadium, the stadium was so big, it fucking crushed on one side and it broke down. And it was like a, they had to like rebuild it. It was just, they, it gets so big that on the outside of it, it's like another 100,000 people, the whole city stops. It, so there's just to give you a sense of how big the world is. And we think like, this is uber important what we're doing. There are people on the other side of the world with sports, they pack stadiums and their people are famous. And there's like millions of people, millions of people in Nigeria. They have no idea what powerlifting is. They have every idea what that is, but we think, you know, we're fucking important and it's crazy. We're fake, you know what I mean? Where it's like the world's a big place, man. We got to, yeah. it helps humble you when you go to all over the world, which I also like in terms of international experience. But the point is when this guy showed up to Nigeria and he's talking to some of these athletes, um, these dudes look as jacked and fucking muscular and crazy fit the whole nine. They look like they should be, they would be in the NFL 100% if they were born in like fucking Michigan, right? If they're from mm -hmm. Detroit or in the South, they'd be playing college ball for sure. Um, and you see these guys and he's talking to them and he's like asking about their training regimen and how, you know, they do this much wrestling, this much striking, et cetera. And he's like, so how, how often are you in the weight room tossing weights around? Cause you guys are fucking huge. And they're like, oh, we don't, we don't lift weights. <laughs> and he's like, the fuck you don't, you wake up out of bed like this. Like you got traps, pecs, like quads, like lats, like, like a lat spread. Like he's got fucking wings. He's going to fly my man. Like, like a fucking velociraptor. He's got a lat spread. Like it is, it was insane. And he's like, you don't lift weights. And he's like, no, he's like, what about my man over here? And they're like, and the guy's like, none of us lift weights. And he's like, you guys look like a fucking football team. You're like 270 pounds though. And they're like, yeah, we walk around 270, this jacked, and we just apply our, our physical capabilities to wrestling. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, like, so to your point in terms of, you know, the world's a big place and you never know who could pop up, you know, Delaney Wallace was on, on the podcast and he was talking about how he's like, man, Football, obviously a much bigger sport in the U S and, um, he was like, I've been in the football room and lifting weights is 
secondary, like, like football in terms of football IQ, you need, uh, I'm not a football guy, but I understand sport. And I, I love reading and hearing about it, watching documentaries, even if I don't watch the season and whatnot, uh, because I'm fascinated by it. And I n- understand like football IQ is massive in the amount you put into, you know, under being able to read the play, read the playbooks and, and actually, you know, drills on football, whatever. So when they lift weights, it's, it's, not the number one thing. And when the season's on and you're got all of these drills and skirmishes and you're playing every week, the weights go even further back. And he's like, I remember Delaney's like, I was in the weight room and there are guys, and this isn't even their main thing. And they're fucking crushing crazy weights and able to explode off the fucking blocks in their 40 yard dash and like what they could do in terms of jump. And, you know, if they, if you're just mucking around in the basketball court, what they could do, it's they're like, there are athletes that are not choosing powerlifting because other sports are bigger and they got a college ride and, and bigger dreams. And by the time they're done all that, their body's just not good for powerlifting. But he's like, if they, from the get-go, were like, I'm going powerlifting. He's like, it'd be, Delaney's like, it'd be humbling. He's like, I, it would be humbling. You know, Delaney's an 83 who in the gym has squatted 700. And he's like, my man, I was not, I was not the guy in the weight room when we were all smashing weights. There were guys who made me feel like who were my size, who would show me up. And if they came over, it'd be like, oh no, you chose powerlifting after all, huh? <laughs> it'd be a problem. So yeah. just like, yeah, it is, you're right. Doubling back in terms of what could happen in 66s. There, there could be some people emerge and not just from the US. It, they could come from anywhere. You know, what could happen in all of the weight classes? Like the bigger we get, the more global we are, the more sides of the world we start pulling talent from. You know, like maybe people like in America, people are huge, right? Like the average person is huge. So maybe 66s aren't going to coming from America, but let's go to a nation where their average size is much smaller. We're talking about average size and all of a sudden, oh yeah, you happen to explode in like, we're onboarding China into the IPF. Have fun with that. Cause we seen what China does in Olympic weightlifting. Like, like you start uh, where, where the humans are walking around, like the average size are smaller. And all of a sudden it's like, oh man, things change quick, man. Things change yeah, quick. Yeah. And I was just about to bring up China. Uh, uh, Cause for the exact reason you said, uh, you look at those guys in Olympic uh, weightlifting and they're literally like across the board at the top of the, uh, of the sport. And uh, like you said, they are generally a little smaller in, in stature. So, you know, guys like me are going to have to be watching out for that. Cause there's, you know, China takes uh, the sports that they do uh, participate in. They take very seriously. It's almost like it's a job for them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, yeah, they're going to come. Um, I would assume that a lot of those smaller weight classes are going to just uh, grow in terms of how elite and, and what the numbers are. Um, and then, you know, as we start to uh, bring more countries on board in the countries that we do have, they become uh, a little bit more involved in the sport of powerlifting. The population grows uh, for their federations. Uh, I think, I mean, there was a point where, you know, all these numbers that we talk about today, right? You know, so 800, 830 for the 83s, you know, 700 for the 66s. Like, I fully believe that, like, today those those are the numbers to hit 
where are we going to be in five and 10 years? Because if you compare five years ago from now to now, it's, it's nine day. And then what about 2030? Like how many, how many times do you get on Instagram and you see some 18 year old kid that just deadlift 700? And I'm like, how, like, that's a lifetime goal. And you're 18 years old. You're a child. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, man, I I look forward to it. Uh, and I think that like, so, okay. You're going to have to have a lot of selfless people and a lot of people involved doing what they do to grow the sport. So like you, the platform that you have, you know, you, everything you do on Instagram, the podcast, the commentating, everything that you do for powerlifting has helped grow it and helped make it, make it bigger. That's huge. Thanks, uh, sir. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like there, there's a reason why everybody knows who six pack is like, like, thank you, sir. You're, you're the fucking I man. Appreciate right? it. And then you look at like somebody like Kim, look at what she did last year. She was about to go to worlds and she let Chandler Babb come over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it takes selflessness. It takes people who are putting in the groundwork to get powerlifting to, to where it's going to be, you know? Um, uh, so, I mean, if you're a lifter, like I haven't done this yet myself, but I, I think I would love to do this, like get certified to be a ref, give back to the sport. And, and if we all, if everybody just chips in a little bit, you know, everybody talks about the Olympics being a pipe dream. Why is it a pipe dream? I don't think that, uh, I don't know when or if it'll happen, but like, why have the mindset of it's never going to happen? Let's say, okay, this is what we need to do. And I know the IPF has, has been doing a lot of different things with like uh, what the Collegiate Cup games and, and all these different things, the World Games. And I think we're headed in that direction. But if, if we have a defeatist attitude, it, it won't happen. But if we think, hey, we can get this done, maybe it is in the Olympics one day. And I think that would be amazing. Put So put it this way. Well, one thing I just want to say about China first before I talk about that. Um, you know, some people are like, I, I talk to some people and they're like, listen, you know, do you really think China though is going to send their A level guys like their A team though? Like it's not going to be like that. And I'm like, love. Do you think it's going to take their A level guys to fucking to, to to crush? Or you're sleeping, uh, love. They send their C team, and you're going to see some crazy shit. They they have 1.7 billion people, buddy, and yeah. they take it sport very seriously. And the guy who is a phenomenal squatter, has all types of strength, but can't translate it to the clean and jerk. But he is as strong as fuck. But his clean and jerk just isn't translating because it's different. That's power and there's force. We should be called force lifting, not power lifting. Mm -hmm. But so there's a slight difference when power lifting opens up. And this is when it gets recognized by the government and the government's like, now we're putting money in funds And if China does that, heads up, like, watch out, we're putting money in funds, and it's now a university sport, it's now a high school sport, it's now, what do you think when 1.7 billion people, when they go to high school, and when they go to university, now of powerlifting, do you think it's going to take this talent pool they have, you know what I mean? It's like, trust me, man, there are going to be tons of people who they're strong as shit, and they're better off squatting, they're better off deadlifting and benching, but instead they're trying to force themselves into clean and jerk because that's the route they're going now. Yeah, man, when they onboard, yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna take a it's gonna take a minute. But when the IPF starts becoming part of the University World Cup and starts becoming, you know, in terms of they're getting on channels in Asia, Europe, in their party, all these associations, they want to be part of the Asian games, European games, these are multi-sport events. 
That means like when people show up for track, high jump, swimming, all of it, boxing, name your Olympic sport for the Asian games and European games. They're showing up for powerlifting while sending teams. That means the government's getting involved. I just had Coco. I didn't drop the podcast yet, but Coco was on here and he's like, we are recognized by the government. So we get literally, they get paychecks every fucking month, their flights, their accommodations. Like this is what happens in some nations that some people don't realize. Like when you chase um, the recognition for IOC, WADA and all the rest of it, WADA and IOC recognition isn't just we just apply it to ourselves, right? And this is normal and I get it and it's fine. But you, we apply it to ourselves. We don't realize the bigger picture to be IOC, you have to be WADA. To be part of a lot of these massive global multi-sport events, you gotta be, you gotta have certain recognitions. What that's gonna do in terms of growth could be massive. It could be like opening up so many nations and getting these freak athletes come in. And then all of a sudden it's it's like, yes, some of the old school people will be pushed out, but it'll be crazy for the sport. And then, um, and that's when we're talking like sponsors and sh- like, it could be total game changer. And in terms of getting into the Olympics, so I am big into like the combat sports, et cetera. And I know Sambo, um, anyone who know, follows like Sambo, in turn, it's like wrestling. Uh, it's a version of wrestling. It's very, it's like a mixture between wrestling and judo. You got a judo top on in terms of the gi, but in terms of uh, the the wrestling shoes and shorts, like uh, the shorts are, I don't know, whatever. You'll just picture some fucking shorts for God's sake. So <laughs> I'm trying to think of a sport, but whatever. So it's 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 more of the same. Like the Olympics already has. They're also adding in, by the way, Muay Thai kickboxing. So here's what the Olympics have. In terms of people, like, why they, would they add powerlifting? Because they already have Olympic weightlifting. My friend, the Olympics now have, in terms of combat sports, Taekwondo, boxing, Muay Thai kickboxing, freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, judo, and now sambo. And freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling, judo, and sambo are all grappling sports with just slight variations of, of in terms of the rules. It's freaking like, so in terms of like, well, it's a little too closely related. They're looking at what is fucking global for really real global. And powerlifting is 120 plus. And what is popular and thriving on its own. And powerlifting, in terms of what we've done with our live streams, sponsors, look at Sheffield. We'll talk about that in a second there, sir. But look at Sheffield in terms of money meets and everything with no mainstream love whatsoever. What we've done and accomplished in terms of our social media platforms and, and accounts we've made and podcasts and everything, fucking people are crazy if they don't think that the IOC is watching this like, holy shit, they've made themselves ex- like as relevant as you can get completely independent. We're that cool indie band that hasn't signed yet. You understand? We're yeah. the fucking indie band, bro. Okay. And you're on bass and pen is on guitar and fucking Eddie Berglund's the singer. All right. And, um, and we haven't signed yet, but if you don't think the record labels aren't noticing, holy shit, they're selling out and crushing. Of course they are. And in terms of what Sambo, Sambo as a sport is not even close to as organized. Their world championships are held in like a fucking high school gymnasium with like a fraction of the athletes, a fraction of the nations. Who do you know does Sambo? 
all weight and actually participates. No fucking body, buddy. <laughs> Nobody. Who do you know participates in like Muay Thai or fucking Taekwondo? You might know a guy. You've heard of it. You walk into any fucking gym and you know a power lifter. All over the, go all over Europe, go all over. People think like, oh, it's a pipe dream. It's so far away. You're not paying attention. You're not, you, are you seeing what's getting in? Yes, we could do this. We're already on the Olympic channel and crushing. We're already like put our numbers against any of the other sports on the Olympic channel. People are like, well, I prefer it was on YouTube and not the Olympic channel. I think that hurts our views. Sure, sure. Won't argue that. I prefer we're on the YouTube than the Olympic channel. But if you take our Olympic channel views and add it to other Olympic channel views, how do you think we're doing? We're crushing. And that's what we're trying to do. And when we crush like that, what happens? All these other doors open up and, the, and we start getting all these other recognitions because the right people are paying attention now. And um, in terms of like views, man, we're fucking, we're on Eurosport. We're closing deals with like Asian and, and Latin America and the whole line in terms of those markets for TV deals. And we are in terms of North American TV deals. They are, everything, everyone's watching. So when you come over to the ESPNs of the world and shit like that, it's going to be like, what kind of numbers you got? What do you have? And then you put forth, you know, all the stats and all the packages and everything I just said. That's what happens, right? And Sheffield's part of it. That's what happens when you put forth, have you seen Sheffield? Are you familiar with Sheffield? How would you like Sheffield on ESPN? How would you like, take a look at the product we did. Take a look at our hype videos. Take a look at the numbers we did. Take a look at the prize packages. Take a look at the athletes from all over the world that showed up. Let's talk about that. This is how things are done too, right? Like, I don't know, man. It's, it's, um, it isn't a pipe dream. The Olympics is not a pipe dream for sure. And if people are like, we shouldn't just focus on the Olympics, who the fuck said we're only focused? Sheffield's happening too, though, bro. Name me a bigger produced money meat that is. If you like the money meat era or you like the Olympic situation and everything that goes along with it, you know, people like when IPF, it's so this boring or whatever. Sheffield can like can happen in the IPF. The IPF isn't going to say you're not allowed to have these promo videos. These I know for facts some of the stuff SBD wants to do with Sheffield and some of the promotional ideas they have. It's amazing. It's like, if you like watching NFL football and UFC and the whole nine, like, you know, they're taking elements of a lot of these major pro sports. The IPF isn't going to be like, you can't do that. The IPF will just run their, their world championships the way they want to. And it looks clean, like an Olympic event. That's fine. But people seem to think like, like operating within the IPF means you can't do. Yes, you can. <laughs> Yes, you can. Do whatever you want, man. Just make sure you do water drug testing and have at it, my brother. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's all good, man. Uh, there's tons of possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I think the Sheffield is going to do uh, a lot of great things for the IPF, for powerlifting in general. Um, like you said, it's the biggest money meet in history. That's going to be huge. And then, and then, so when you talk about the world championships, you're talking about you know, the best of the best from around the world, they go to IPF worlds, they lift to try and win that world championship. Now take the best of the best from that group. And that's what you're going to have at the Sheffield. I mean, you are literally going to have the cream of the fucking crop, all world champions at the top, um, the ability to win world championships, the ability to break world records. And that's what you're going to get to watch. Um, And then, um, and so like, like you take a guy like Taylor, right? Taylor is obviously far and above the best 74 in the world. Well, now at the Sheffield, he's not just competing against the other 74, so you know he's going to crush. 
he's competing with Keiko. He's competing with Jesus. He's competing with like these just, you know, bigger than life stars for this money, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, the, uh, the IPF points, the good lift points. And so like, there's a lot that goes into that because now, now it's not just as simple as, okay, you know, I need a 325 kilo deadlift to go into a higher total than the other guy. No, I need to figure out what this total is. How many points does that give me? And so it adds another facet to the game day coaching. Like you're going to have to be on point. You're going to have to have that team around you. Um, and then, and then, so then you start looking at like the venue for the Sheffield, you know, it's absolutely gorgeous. You know, you see the, the huge stage up there, you got the, you got balconies, everybody's yeah. all the way around watching it. You know, the production is going to be absolutely amazing. Commentating is obviously going to be on point, sir. Love. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, it, I mean, come on, let's go. Uh, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be the best. And, uh, I'd love to be there. Dude. Uh, how are you right now in terms of time? You got to go to washroom. You need to whatever. Nah, I'm good. As, okay. I'm good as long as you are. Okay, good. Because uh, I'm realizing sometimes I, we, I get caught up in a conversation. I'm like, holy fuck, it's been two hours. But uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good thing. But yeah, uh, yeah dude, Sheffield is going to be absolutely bonkers. Uh, especially like, like everything you said in terms of everything they're dumping into it. How much did that mean to you when you saw, like it, you have so much in terms of at the world championships to, to dive into. It is so stacked. Um, well, first off, before we even get to Sheffield, what else are, are you sticking around to watch some of these worlds live and to see like fucking, I know you saw Jesus Oliveras at PA Nats and to mm -hmm. see that live, you know, we're talking about stars emerging to see that, you know, forever it was Ray Williams and then everybody else at, and to see him as a junior fucking literally within kilos of overtaking Ray Williams in his prime. And he's still a junior. Now he's going to be in the open by the time worlds rolls around, but Holy fuck. If people don't, you know, when you see the videos of Jesus Oliveras hitting those squats, hitting those, and then he starts beating his chest and yells into the crowd and the crowd is on their feet, yelling back. You don't realize what it's like in real life to be there. Like, it's fuck. It's so wild. It's like, yeah. you can't, when he walks out and there's, it was like 992 pounds on the bar and he steps under it and unracks and starts stepping back. And the, the weight is like moving on his back. Ooh. And you're like, Holy fuck. Like that's, that's a G on his back. And they're like, let the weight settle. And I'm like, it's a fucking G on his back though. It's a car on his back. Like, it's, you know, it's a smart car anyways. It's a car on his back though, man. Like yeah. it's incredible to watch. Like it's, and then, uh, and then he comes, he goes down and comes up with it and he starts fucking beating his chest. Like King Kong just defeated the U S army. You know what I mean? Like what a scene of a monster movie. And he's like, ah, it's a, yeah. uh, it's the wildest. It's so if you, uh, are you going to be at worlds sticking around? And if you are, who do you want to stick around and see? Um, I will, but before we get off the topic of Jesus, if you've only ever seen Jesus Oliveras on Instagram, you have not seen him. When you yeah. see that man in, per in person, like he's obviously huge, but like just like the muscles like on his back and on his shoulders, like it's 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 almost surreal. Uh, the dude's an, an absolute monster and, and Instagram does not do justice. Um, yeah, I'm going to be at Worlds. 
so I lift on the seventh, the next day I, I have a lifter that's going to be lifting in the 83 kilo class. So I'm going to be coaching him. Obviously my boy chances, uh, is also lifting. So I'm going to be there for him. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah um, fuck. Got, <laughs> that's another that. one that you don't want to miss. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and you want to talk about battles, uh, the 93s, holy cow, that's going to be huge. Uh, chance Keiko, Gavin, uh, everybody. So um, I'll be watching that. And then I'm going to be leaving the day after that. Uh, unfortunately I can only take so much time off of work. Um, but, uh, you know, like you said, I want to just soak it all in, enjoy the experience, uh, and, and just meet as many people as I can from around the world. Um, you know, as I'm starting to get a little bit more of a following, um, as I've been rising, you know, I'm, I'm getting people that are following me from all corners of the world and, uh, being able to just talk with them and, um, you know, form new relationships you know i just want to meet these people you know uh i want to shake penna's hand you know he's he's the fucking king of 66s right now so um obviously we follow each other but i would love to meet him talk to him pick his brain a little bit uh maybe have a beer so uh yeah man i'm looking forward to it yeah it's um are you going to be helping out with chance are you just watching or what are you doing in terms of 93s um i will probably be in the back to help as needed um i think he's going to have arian handling him officially gotcha okay okay so and then so like i'll just be back there just as another set of eyes uh probably helping load weight stuff like that dude um i believe if i'm not mistaken it's going to be because if he's got arian i think gavin's got rory from king of the list coaching is like a podcast as well that's fucking kotl versus kotl if i'm not mistaken i don't know for sure if this is official uh that'd be a showdown for sure then oh fuck dude these dudes are powerlifting nerds. Like they, they are not, and they've done like Arian, you know, uh, national team coach for USA like year after year. Like, he, and, and like, we're going back right to the Brett Gibbs, Russell Orhe days where Rory versus Arian, like they've, they've been to worlds, they've battled it out and Rory, just like Arian, they're both like referees. They're both within their federation. They both have like coached at the world level. They both like, terms of knowing and do like what like all aspects man so in terms of the head-to-head knowledge of let's see what happens fuck that's a that's a duel it's a duel on the lifter level but also the other level as well and with the 93s we're talking about the world representation of the 66s but of the 93s and this is what's special when you can do talent pool around the world you have um so kaiko from the u.s you got chance from the u.s two fucking killers and the rematch will be amazing but then you have gustav headland from sweden you got gavin eden who's coming up through usvi you have sasha coming up from germany and some people don't know sasha um coming from equipped the guy has a fucking monster deadlift hitting in the late eight hundos and is 100 a problem and i got a feeling because he's coming from germany and he doesn't have the, the social media following. A lot of people who are more just about what's popping on social media, and fair enough, like the powerlifting. I'm not saying this like a powerlifting is huge. There's so many weight classes, and there's so many people around the world. But he is going to rattle some fucking people, Sasha. Like his deadlift is ungodly. He can rival Chance with the deadlift. Um, it's good. He's going to be a problem. He could easily bump spots for people when they push each other and push each other over the limit. When it comes to the deads, he's going to start swapping his position from fifth and sixth, possibly onto the podium real quick. Like it's in that's, and then there's a mill from Bulgaria who 
Um, he'll be in the late eight hundreds as well. All of these guys are capable of totaling into the late eight hundreds and all of them are like going to be tight neck and neck and people don't really. So, and again, Bulgaria, who's popping in Bulgaria on social media. I share them here and there, but a lot of people aren't going to know until the day of, and they'll be like, where the fuck did that guy come from? And like, there'll be a jockeying around. So some of the favorites from the U S or North America that we know about and, and, and Gustav from Sweden is pretty popular. Like everyone knows Gustav as well, even if you're so, but some of the favorites that people know about could, and you think they're going to be on the podium could end up just in the top five. I say just it's the world class, but they're just top five. And they'd be like, well, that's kind of disappointing. But the people in the know would be like, nah, he did amazing. He did amazing to be top five. In this field, it's amazing. Because the guy who you think upset him, everyone from where he's from is like, no, that was expected. That's what should have happened. Um, and a lot of people would be like, we'd actually be shocked if it didn't happen this way. Like there are shooters out there, man. That's, that's the thing when it gets worldwide, some people aren't as big on social media. In, within just US alone, it's hard to surprise people. You kind of came up out of nowhere because you dropped down a weight class, came out of from two-year hiatus, like how you like me now. And you know, it was like, oh wow, okay. But it's it's harder for that to happen over in the US. But there are people popping up in different nations that it's like, unless you do your due diligence, um, you might have no idea, right? And that's where yeah. the very least King of Lips will be like, I see you coming. I'm gonna share you. If people have been following King of Lips, listen to the podcast, you should know who some of these people are. Um, but, uh, cause like, look at five years ago, someone like Agatha coming through in the 76 as a teenager from Poland would have shocked the fuck out of some people, you know, at the equip worlds when she shows up and wins equip worlds as a teen. And they're like, what the fuck? And now she's coming over to the classic and, and it's world champion versus world champion. You know, the equip world champion is about the clash with the classic world champion. That's always, you know, war of the world situation where it's like, oh, this is going to be good. Um, yeah, but it, you know, dog, let's have a fucking beer too. If you're having a beer with yeah. Penna, doesn't drink. Not a lot of people drink out there like with like powerlifters or whatnot, but I'm not from here until worlds. And this is funny. I'm slashing all, all alcohol. I'm smashing weights like a motherfucker. And I'm going to be doing some cardio because some of these fucking girl lifters are calling your boy hey, out, man. I saw, I saw. Dog, man. I'm getting tagged and shit. I'm like, let's settle down, man. I got like half a dozen girls who come in at me. So now I got to like prep like it's a freaking bodybuilding show so I can keep some integrity when I come home. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm cutting, I'm getting ready. But when I'm there, we'll, you know, whatever it is, what it is, we'll, we'll have some cocktails and, and celebrate. I got to get up the next day, but even just like making it out, man. I know when I'm at world championships, it's, it's over so quickly. Like it's over so quickly, man. Too quick, too damn quick. It's over. Yeah. I look forward to it, man. Uh, love to share a drink with you. And then, uh, you just got to make sure that you stay on, uh, on the ground until then, man. You can't show up and get out angled by, by all these girls. <laughs> hey, li listen, listen. Jessica, me and Jessica had our thing, right? Yeah. And um, like, like she, whatever, 2019, that picture went around and then we knew, like, okay, the rematch is coming. 2020, Worlds is canceled. 2021, it's two years in the making. Me and Jessica are going to do this. Freaking, um, I was like, I was going to lift. I got injured right before Worlds, but I was in crazy good shape cut down on like, like I, I got to get ready to make 83. And um, so I was in, in like 
doing like I was on the Atwood program. So the amount of volume, I was in really good shape. Show up to Worlds. I'm not lifting because I got injured. So I'm just doing commentary and I'm just eating like they, they fucking legit. Um, Alico, it was at the Alico headquarters and you could make, they, they originally got in the game making waffle makers. So they're fucking, they got the old waffle makers out and they're making the most delicious waffles you ever had in your life. Um, you're going out for dinners and it's like, are you checking the dinners when someone's like, look at it's on, you know, this is, this is all the house, whatever the shit, it's part of the media team. Let's do this. So you're having, and then having some drinks, like you're not getting drunk, but you're, are you going to have a few drinks? Cause you're just, you're just going to have three or four beers. You're just there. Of course you're, it's a moment. You're going to tell stories, you know, have a few beers, but three beers could be fucking however many calories on top of. So I'm living life. I'm having a good time. I'm living my fucking life, Joe. Okay. And Jessica was there bright and early in the world championships. And I was ready as fuck when I showed up. Didn't hear a peep. After the world championships, which she's still ready to, like, she's still rocking because she's like in the open. So she lifts near the end. And your boy has been through the, all the masters, through all the sub juniors, through all the juniors. By the time the open rolls around, I've been living like a rock star for a week and a half. And then Jessica goes, we're doing a pose down. I'm like, like, Jessica, you've seen me all week. You you know I'm bloated right now for tainted water. This can't happen. So anyways, long story short, I'm not getting caught slipping, man. I'm doing the Gavin Aiden thing. I'm learning. You know, I'm learning as I go. And I I make a mistake once and I fucking tighten that up, man. So this time at World Championships, Stand on macros every damn day. I have a beer. It's logged. I, well, I, I, I eat out. I'm fucking watching. I'm bringing the food scale, dog. It sounds like you got hustled is what it looks like. I got I mean, hustled. You boy. know, she, I got uh, hustled. She saw you at your weakest point and then she took advantage of that. So. <laughs> Dude, it was funny because we were at the venue and someone's like, I don't know. We we're just taking pictures. Like, like we, I think we we're taking pictures because she won. And it was just pictures like celebratory. And someone's like, you guys should do you know and i'm like fucking as soon as someone started talking like that i didn't even hear what they said i knew what the sentence was gonna end i'm like fuck i was like and just looked over and was like yes and i was like no just yes we have to i'm like no we don't have to yeah yes yes, let's do it and then um pete spence from sbd was there and he's like i'll take the picture so i'm like fuck me and i don't want to do this the best move i did was pull out my phone and be like use my phone i'll post it and they're like all right so pete took my phone it took like fucking a dozen pictures on my phone to it i'm like okay cool we go back to the hotel we're all like whatever getting ready for the banquet and shit and i'm like whoo i just you can't hustle a hustler baby (laughs) you came at me when you thought i was weak i got those fucking pictures and it was like release the photos i'm like i will not release the photos (laughs) you guys tried to hustle me and i hustled you back um, yeah, it was definitely a, that was definitely a veteran move on your part for sure. Yeah, it's uh, a veteran move. <laughs> but if it's any consolation, I think that most guys next to Jess would be the same same shoes. So you're, you're good to go, bro. Like, <laughs> dude, she's humbled too many people in this day. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's if I'm gonna give you any advice, you go to worlds, soak it up, live in the moment, enjoy it, and avoid a hit picture with Jessica Bittner. It'll ruin your fucking day. Day, just whatever. Make sure she's wearing a sweater. She's like four feet back from you. You got to be closer to the camera than she is. The whole nine, you know, man. You know. Oh yeah. Just, for sure. just 
come at this correct. We talk to Chance. He'll have a game plan for you. (laughs) It's probably all part of his game plan. Every coach, every coach who's doing game day handling should also be ready for Jessica Bittner. And she'll come around. Let's take a picture. Congratulations. And fucking be ready for that shit, man. If you're you're prepping and you're, you're scouting your opponents, you should be scouting Jessica Bittner's schedule as well. Got it. We we good to go, bro. <laughs> good man. Listen, um, appreciate. It. We're flowing over two hours now, and we before you were like, I don't know, should we talk before worlds? Should we talk after worlds? You know, like obviously you're planning on winning, and I'm like, Dougie, don't worry about that. We can fucking talk. Like you know, now you know how easy it is to fill two hours, and with what is going to happen at worlds. The stories you're going to have after this is the funny thing, because I've been doing enough world championships and I know the stories attached. I'm like, dude, we can crush 90 minutes just talking about worlds like the prep, the travel, the competition, the afterwards and you coming home. That's a podcast all in of itself. And just talking about everything we talked about right now wouldn't even be touched. And it would be a shame. Everybody listening to this episode didn't get to hear your thoughts and have hear this conversation. Like we just touched on all of this. You wouldn't have been able to talk about this because you would have only been talking about your whole experience at Worlds and now looking forward to Sheffield had you won or whatever the shit, right? With all due respect to the 66s, you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's where I was like, don't worry about that, man. We, this is, this is, you'll be a repeat customer. Yes, sir. I just want to say thank you for having me on, man. Um, the, the, the first day that you ever like, I think you followed me and then like a couple minutes later, I was like, can you let sh- share the post? And I uh, like, about shit my pants man i was so happy I was, I was running around the house uh but but to now be on the podcast man it's uh it's an absolute pleasure for me uh and, and an honor so just thank you so much man dude amongst the people you know like i was saying grateful for like meeting people glad i met you man you you came up to pa nats when i was like you said you're a shy guy but i was in the commentary booth you came up introduce yourself and i was like my man and i like i appreciate that people think like oh should i yeah 100 come yeah. up introduce let's talk man that's fucking that's all part of this man that's like that's like the majority of it is just when i'm at an event i love meeting people and like having an opportunity to talk to people on a podcast fuck dog i'm blessed if my day's going shitty and i got a podcast coming I'm like it's gonna turn around you know what i mean no matter what's happening i'm like this will be good um yeah. but uh but anyways man so appreciate you coming on uh, so did you do coaching uh I, I mean i have an athlete i've coached in the past but no i don't really i don't really do coaching per okay. se right now i was gonna say give people a way of of uh reaching out if you if you're accepting clients but if not still give everybody your social media and yeah. if you want to give a shout out to anybody sponsors or whatever uh here's the time my man yeah so on instagram joe.jordan22 uh and uh as far as sponsors go man i just want to thank uh pete everybody at spd uh, for, you know, recently giving me the opportunity to be a sponsored athlete. Uh, they took a chance on me and I'm going to be forever, forever grateful for them. Uh, I've been using their, their products since I began powerlifting four or five years ago. Uh, they're literally the best in the industry. Um, so, you know, I'm super thankful, super grateful for them. Uh, obviously shout out to chance, uh, for, you know, helping me get to this point. Couldn't have done without him. All my family and friends who have supported me along the way, really appreciate you guys. Uh, I love you. Uh, and I'm going to do everything I can to, to make sure I make you guys proud. There it is, man. I will see you in South Africa, young man. All right, brother. Six up. We are out.